Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 31 of the Direct Podcast. We have a loaded show for you today with all the top news from all the universes you love. Also, an interview with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier director, Carrie Scoglin. And then we're going to finish this off with a very big direct draft. Hang with us. Peep the time codes to jump ahead. Let's go. Truth is, I am a Jedi. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. <laughs> Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave. Blow that piece of junk out of the sky. See you in a minute. Oh, I could do this all day. This is the way. But I'm also a big fan of justice. I'm vengeance. I'll show you the dark side. Why did you say that, Dad? Come on. Let's get nuts. Assemble. Welcome back to the Direct Podcast, episode 31, the Reggie Miller episode. Shout out to everybody in the Hoosier State. I am your host, Captain Matt Rimke, along with my beautiful co-host, the Colossus of Clicks, Mr. Liam Crowley. Liam. I'm good. He's good. Guys, that's yeah. all we need. <laughs> I, I was waiting for a question. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm vibing. Good, good Saturday afternoon vibes, uh-huh. Saturday night. A little, little late recording for us, but, you know, schedules get conflicted. But we're still getting this out on Sunday, as usual. Absolutely, and we're going to do everything we can to give you guys everything you want out of this podcast every single week, 52 weeks a year. It doesn't matter that there's no new content this week. We're still going to be here giving you the news. We have a great interview with Kerry Scoglin today and an awesome draft that I cannot be more excited about. Quick housekeeping note we will start releasing these episodes more around uh noon eastern on sundays you know just give a little more people an opportunity to get the notification check out the episode so you know bear with us if you don't if you're one of those people who want to listen first thing in the morning hang tough we're going to get you there noon eastern nine pacific but um real quick liam quick question uh you know there's no new content right now you know, this is our first week in a lot of weeks where we don't really have anything to review or discuss unless we're going to talk about Mortal Kombat. But I had a question. Since there's no new content, it makes you kind of think, you know, with all these new shows and movies that have been coming out lately, you know, these universes expand. They get bigger. They they grow within the story. And something that we praise the MCU for a lot is that they retroactively make older movies better because they tie in loose ends. They, they feed us character development that was hinted in one movie, paid off later. So Liam, my question for you, what movie has retroactively seen the most growth from you from the first time you saw it in theaters to today? This is going to surprise you. And this is uh, a point I wanted to make as far back as Easter weekend, because my brother was sitting in the living room. Uh, my brother, freshman, Michael, how we doing? If you're listening. What up, Mike? What's up, Mike? We call him Mickey around the house every now and then. But Mickey, he, you guys Mickey. are so Irish. I love. Yeah, it. right. <laughs> um, he's he's recently getting big into the comic book movies and the MCU and everything. And because Zack Snyder's Justice League came out, he was catching up on old DCEU projects. And I found myself sitting down for a little little director's cut edition of Batman v Superman. And for oh. whatever reason, I found myself enjoying it. And yeah. I the the plot points that were set up that made no sense when I saw it in theaters in 2016, when I see how they were paid off in Zack Snyder's Justice League, I'm like, wait a minute, do I do I like this movie? Like I was like kind of scared. I was like, this is a movie I hated, and I talked to my friends about how bad it was and how botched and how it set the DCEU on a course that could never possibly correct unless they absolutely wiped everything. 
and somehow, some way, watching watching the Snyder cut and then going back and seeing a couple scenes, I'm like, oh, that flash time travel scene after seeing the nightmare scene fully realized in, in the Snyder cut, it's kind of dope. Oh. Batman v Superman retroactively has grown the most for me. And I cannot believe I'm saying that. I can't believe it either. I hate that movie. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a good disagree moment. There are cool moments. There are great shots. I mean, you know, that's Zack Snyder. You know what I mean? He's going to give you a wallpaper on your computer and you're going to love every second of it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I understand what you're saying that, you know, we got the payoff. So there are bits and pieces of that movie that do make more sense. I just don't like it. It's not so much the things that didn't make sense for me. I just didn't like the story, you know, yeah. point blank. You know, I didn't like yeah. the motivations at their core. So, uh, but I respect the move. Uh, the greatest marketing campaign in comic book movie history, Batman vs Superman. You just know, those about, trailers, yeah. those trailers, those little web articles, social media was used to promote a movie in a way that had never been done with BVS. And I think it was, it's something that makes that movie stand out a little bit. Uh, mine shouldn't be a shock. Shouldn't be surprised to any of you. It's Avengers Age of Ultron. This is a movie that every single project that has come out after it has advanced, uh, enhanced the, the watching experience of Age of Ultron. From the Wanda, the Wanda stuff specifically, you know, knowing what we know about Wanda Maximoff now, her character hits so different in that movie, and it's just such an amazing way. Everything we got from Civil War leading into Infinity War was planted and grown in Avengers Age of Ultron, which I think is amazing. Hawkeye is going to make this movie better. You know, yeah. this Hawkeye series we're coming out is going to make, because oh. the worst part the worst part of this movie for a lot of people is the lull of the farm stuff and the Hawkeye family stuff. Guess what? I bet it's better after Hawkeye. Because there's no way it's not. We're going to learn more about this character. And so many other things. Um, you know, the post credit scene, fine. I'll do it myself. That now, like knowing what you know what Thanos is, seeing that post credit scene now, we should all be terrified that he's doing this himself because he can do it twice. <laughs> like, like, And I just think that that movie has always held a special place in my heart and it gets better and better every single new Marvel project that comes out. Um, so yeah, great quick question, Liam. Thank you for, uh, suggesting that even though I took all the credit, but guys, that's, you know, the people are probably a little bothered right now. Cause that's not what they're here for. You know what they're here for? They're here for the they're news, here, the news, baby, the headlines, the top stories mm. from all the universes you love coming up right here on this is a real. Kicking things off with Marvel news, Secret Invasion stays hot. Actor Killian Scott is in talks to join the event series in an unknown role. If he joins, he joins an already A-list cast. Very excited for that show. I'm looking towards Hawkeye, a show that we've already mentioned. Clint Barton's solo series has wrapped production. Congratulations to everyone. But set photos are still making their way around the internet. The latest pic shows off Jeremy Ritter in an oh-so-sexy purple and black Hawkeye suit as Phase 4 continues to blow my mind with the costume game. Switching over to the worlds of DC, we have a guy, Gardner, HBO Max's Green Lantern Corps, has cast Finn Wintrock in one of the show's leading roles as Guy Gardner and are expected to announce their Alan Scott any day now. And in more DC casting news, I feel like we get new ones every single week. This time, Black Adam, the rock superhero project, has brought on uh, Ulu Latikufu. 
Sorry about that, everybody. But uh, he's coming in in a mystery role. This is the guy who plays Dwayne Johnson in the uh, the series, uh, the the Rock's TV show, right? That is Young Rock, and that is who Young he Rock plays. And in Absolutely. news from in news from a galaxy far <laughs> far away, hype for the Bad Bash is reaching a fever pitch. Disney unveiled a new poster for the series ahead of its May fourth premiere. And for more news on Miss Marvel, The Flash, and or and so much more, be sure to head over to thedirect.com once again for the people in the back. That's thedirect.com. Liam, that's a lot of news. That's some. That's mm. it's an interesting bit of news because everything's exciting, but there's not nearly as many stories as of late. What would you like to talk about first? I really want to talk about some Guy Gardner, some some HBO Max Let's Green go. Lantern Corps because man, oh man. Are we about to get so spoiled? Like if we weren't spoiled already with 15 straight weeks of Marvel content, once Marvel really gets the ball rolling and we have Miss Marvel, Hawkeye, Secret Invasion, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, they're all doing that and they can never, because they're all under one umbrella, they can never release at the same time. We, we kind of got a taste of what that feels like when Snyder Cut and Falcon Winter Soldier dropped on the same weekend. Green Lantern Corps, if that hits, if that succeeds, we're going to start getting DC series. We already have it with Peacemaker coming out anytime, not anytime now, sometime due in the fall. We're, we're going to see a lot of content coming out and more is better. Uh, they're not necessarily competing with each other, but having alternatives is always appreciated. Again, you know me, you know, I love pro wrestling. When AEW launched, it made wwe better because when there's multiple promotions going on at once and thriving it's good for everyone specifically the fans so let's talk a little specifics now uh with guy gardner getting cast uh finn wittrock i'm not super familiar with his work i know he's big on american horror story and in the assassination of versace he apparently was phenomenal in that and that show is on my list of like need to watch ASAP Rocky because it's a it's a one season. You know, I, I can definitely get through it in a weekend if I want to. But I'm just happy that they're really staying true to what this Green Lantern Corps series can be. And that's introducing just an absolute gallery of Green Lanterns, making us care about each individual one. Give us Guy Gardner. Give us Alan Scott. Give us Jon Stewart. Give us Hal Jordan and give us all the different alien species from the Green Lantern Corps. Give us the Blue Lanterns, the, the Yellow Lanterns, the Red Lanterns. There's so much they can do with this series they could literally create a star wars like universe within dc and the hype for me for this is astronomical i cannot wait to see what hbo max does with the green lantern corps Versace, Versace, medusa hit on me like i'm illuminati uh, mm. um i think we i think we talked about it when this series was announced that i think green lantern corps is such a perfect uh, ip for a show especially on oh, HBO. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can build out this world and just this ideology and uh, the mantra of the Green Lanterns and the Green Lantern Corps so much and really bring an emotional tie to this character that we've never seen before. And I say that, but really, you know, we got the Ryan Reynolds flop. Sure. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so I don't even remember the movie. And then we've seen him in cartoons, but like this is our first Green Lantern thing that we've had since ever really if you want to take out the ryan reynolds flop like this is it so i'm excited it's a show we've seen disney plus prove that when you take these comic book stories and treat them as 
um, tie-ins. You know, treat them as side stories. You know, like nobody's upset that WandaVision and the Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't like drastically change the MCU within the show. But what it did was set up pieces that will drastically change the MCU in the future. I think that HBO Max taking on the Green Lantern Corps with all these actors coming in, I just like seeing production started because I am so excited about the show because I'm unfamiliar with the Green Lantern you know, idea in general. And th- I think this is going to be a great learning opportunity for non-DC fans to really dive into this world with one of the most beloved characters in the universe. I... I got to talk about costumes, Liam. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I'm a threads guy. You know, I like seeing what's going on. <laughs> um, That's I, the new nickname. I'm sorry. You're, you're no longer guy? Captain Matt Remke to me. You are threads guy, Matt Remke. I love Hell that. yeah, dude. These suits keep coming in fire. We got Wanda, which was mind-blowing, right? Uh, the Captain America suit for Sam Wilson, more predictable, but met every expectation that we had, right? Just, just perfect. We got leaks of the Hawkeye suit. We got leaks of the Miss Marvel suit this week. And so many others. Echo suit came out. You know, we got to look at that. Loki's president suit. We know what that's going to look like. What suit are you most excited for moving forward, knowing that Wanda and Sam just, just delivered, man? So is this question suits that we haven't seen yet? Sure. Sure. Okay, because it, it was Hawkeye up until those set photos. Because, man, right. I've been waiting for a purple Hawkeye suit for ages. And they'll give you, like, hints of it. The Age of Ultron. I have the pop vinyl right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, you know, he's got the trim. He's got the trim going on. But it's not all purple. It's more black. It's more sleek. And the fact that we're going to get, you know, a full-on purple, different shades of purple with hints of black, that is so Hawkeye. And I, I don't know what it is about the shows, but it feels like they're so much more willing to do comic booky stuff especially concerning suits with these shows you mentioned wanda maximoff scarlet witch suit is phenomenal falcon's cap suit is phenomenal hawkeye suit is phenomenal the miss marvel leaks i'm not even i'm not the biggest uh miss marvel comic reader i'm not super familiar with her story but i've seen the covers Looks and i've dope. seen what that suit, suit can be and it's perfect and it, it, it uh very much encompasses what a young hero suit should look like you know it's basically like a dress kind of like it, it looks like a something like Classic. a middle schooler would put together and it's dope and i i'm a sucker for to the the bandana you know uh the the we haven't seen one of those in the, the MCU. eye thing i think you know the robin green, the robin thing <laughs> the robin thing something that yeah. green lantern speaking of green lantern could do really well here's uh-huh. hoping but yeah as for a suit we haven't seen yet that i'm really excited for I'm very much looking forward to whatever Doctor Strange is going to look like in Multiverse of Madness. We've been hearing that he's going to get a suit upgrade, maybe a little more comic accurate, maybe a little more of that, you know, that white emblem he has the in Superhero thing. Squad. The on the... Yeah. Remember Superhero Squad? So rune, bro. Yes, I remember Superhero Squad. Yeah, oh, it was so great. Um, and another one I'll give is just, I think, I think, you know, time of recording. If you're listening on Sunday, I think we might get some some new suits on Monday um, with the Eternals <laughs> cast. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I have very little expectations in terms of what to expect from them. Not saying I'm not thinking they're going to be good, but I just have no idea what to base my expectations on when we get those Eternal suits. Oh, man. Oh, man. You said Shout Chloe Zhao, by the way. Academy Award winning Chloe Zhao. Mm. Buy stock. Buy stock now. Hey, you said it before I did. How about that? <laughs> I did. I did. Um, 
Uh, I didn't intend for this to be something we haven't seen yet because my favorite suit I'm excited for is Kate Bishop's Hawkeye. Oh, you seen that set photo? Wow, mm. that's an electric purple, dude. I'm yeah. all about that in a bag of chips. Also, Moon Knight, man. I need a good cape. Oh, I can't wait for a good cape back in the MCU. You know what I mean? We haven't got one in a while. Uh, Wanda's wasn't necessarily more of a cape. It's more of like a hooded gown kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it played as a cape, and Agnes had a cape. Yeah. Am I walking this back? No, no. Moon Knight's going to be sick. I think Moon Knight's going to be awesome. And also, new Spidey suits. I mean, if we get another Spidey suit, I mean, how do we? How are we going to be upset about it? I haven't disliked one yet. So, uh, guys, that has been our news. A quick Star Wars shout-out. we got to say it. Bad Batch coming out. Me and Liam, hand up. We are not big animated Star Wars guys, but we have a good community of those writers on the direct.com who are so excited for this show. This is going to be a branch-off series about this ragtag group of characters from the Star Wars animated series, and it's going to be fun, it's going to be different, and it's going to be set in a universe that everybody's familiar with. So if you're a fan of the Star Wars animated stuff, not only watch the show, but keep an eye on the direct.com because our boys like Jack Pews, Richard Nebbins, Lauren Rose, and others are going to be breaking that shit down every single week. So make sure to check it out and check out the direct.com. Um, Liam, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to step back for a little bit, rest my voice, because coming up, we have a very nice interview between my co-host, the beautiful Liam Crowley, and the director of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Carrie Scoglin. Let's go. Liam Crowley from TheDirect.com here with the director of Marvel's latest project, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Kari Skogland. Kari, thank you so much for taking the time. I have to say off the top, the finale genuinely brought me to tears. I had a blast this past six weeks. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I, I, it, uh, there were a lot of heart-wrenching moments in that last hour. Absolutely. So I kind of want to get things started off the top with a general question about the season as a whole. Um, this was your first Marvel Studios project. I know you did episodes of The Punisher. It's kind of auxiliary. So I want to get your proudest moment from your MCU directorial debut. Six episodes, a lot of moments, a lot of characters. What was your proudest moment? Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> so many. I think um, even just watching uh, Anthony walk on set, you know, the first time, because we'd spent months uh, with the design team, you know, looking at designs of the, the suit and and uh, trying little nuances and just so on and so forth. And so this takes a lot of brain power and a lot of, um, uh, you know, different people to to make it happen. And so to see him in that suit the first time with S.H.I.E.L.D., that was absolutely, I think, one of my proudest moments. So um, amongst many, but uh, probably that one. Absolutely. The suit was, was very memorable. The colors were looked like it came right off the page, which was really cool to see. But even but it was also that Anthony Mackie was wearing it, a black oh, yeah. man wearing Captain America. That to me was the, the moment. It was so special. So even before the season began, uh, promotional material made very clear that Sam's transition into Cap was not going to be as cut and dry as Endgame might have made it feel. So aside from it being just a more interesting story to take him on this journey, I'm curious, what was the value you saw in taking, as you mentioned, a black man transitioning into the role of Captain America? What value did you see in exploring that story? Well, obviously, you know, we were right in the heart of racism uh, in a big way. So we were, um, as Isaiah Bradley says to him, no self-respecting black man would pick up that shield. And so we, are, we go inside what it means to many people 
what the shield represents, which is an iconic white symbol, um, you know, metaphor for the flag and uh, the red, white, and blue of it, and so on. So we really take it out for all the different, how it affects all the, our different characters and different perspectives. And in, you know, Sam, who realizes that what it represents and what it is at the beginning needs to be locked up. It's an it's a antique now. It doesn't have the relevance that it once had. It was born of a time uh, where heroes were soldiers and warriors and combatants because it came out of the, um, you know, the Second World War where anti-fascism was the, the, you know, the main purpose of, a, of the hero, the, the combat, the politics of fascism. So now, though, a hero uh, really has to be expanded to include first responders and uh, frontline workers. And, you know, so now that's the, the new hero. And so through the process of as he's deciding whether he can take on the mantle of what Captain America needs to be for the future, who, who that is, what, what the, the DNA of that character is in terms of their soul, uh, what they bring to it in terms of being both egoless and, you know, not a super soldier, unlike uh, John Walker, who brings all of that by comparison. And there's um, Sam uh, Wilson, who is a, you know, a, a counselor uh, and a, uh, a human. So it's a real journey of him deciding what that wants to be and is he the right guy for it. And of course, after talking with his sister and after talking with Bucky, and um, he realizes that if he's called, he will rise to the occasion and do what he can to serve. And that's, I think, uh, an incredibly important story. For sure. And switching over now to our other title character, the Winter Soldier, Bucky, we see that the, the journey concludes with the retitling of the show, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Uh, but Malcolm Spellman today in another interview confirmed that Bucky's days as the Winter Soldier are kind of behind him. So in your perspective, where do you see Bucky going from here? Does he maybe go back to Wakanda? Oh, that I don't know. But I can say now as a result of his um, time with Sam, and as Sam says to him, if you, you know, you've been avenging, what you really need to do is you need to make them feel good. You need to serve them. You're, you've been talking about you. Now go out and make them feel okay. And so as a result, uh, he starts on that path. And of course, we suggest he's gone through the book. Um, and so he's on the, the path to heal. Um, so I, I would like to think that that is a happier place. Uh, I think he'll always be troubled because you can't come through what he's done and, and who he's had to be without having residual effects. So he, I think, probably will always be coping with what that is. But um, he certainly is in a better place. For sure. And another character I kind of want to get into, Isaiah Bradley. I, I love the character of Isaiah Bradley. Only a couple scenes we got him in, but very impactful. And his story was very meaningful, leaving um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So I'm curious, though, because a lot of his uh, history is implied and told through modern storytelling, recollections of what happened in the past. Did you ever toy with the idea of maybe having flashbacks to um, when he was fighting in wars in the past? Or was it always going to be a modern day retelling? It was always going to be a modern day retelling because I think you want to see the man telling the story, mm. how it affected him. To flashback um, is, you know, a, a, 
a cinematic paradigm that we were all used to, but it takes you out of the emotion of, of the person. And in this case, that compelling story had to be told by him and we had to see the effects on him because um, I think just to flash back and see it would be just another series of images that might not have had the same impact as, you know, the heartfelt uh, storytelling. Sure. And one more character we'll get into, Steve Rogers. You know, we didn't see him at all. And everyone keeps saying Steve is gone. Steve is gone. But no one uses the word dead. So from your perspective, where do you think Steve Rogers is in this whole universe? Obviously, you can't get into specifics, but where would where would Steve react? How would Steve react to all the events that went on? Well, as far as I know, he's on the moon, right? So I don't know that he knows what's going on. Very true. I don't think they have good cell signal up there, so he's probably not probably not <laughs> exactly. uh, paying attention. Um, looking towards the future now, when we first spoke ahead of the season premiere, you mentioned that everything you wanted to do in this season, you were able to do, but that there was still so much to do. So now that we can kind of chat specifics, are there any elements from this season that you touched on that you'd like to expand in the future, or maybe even new characters you didn't get to direct that already exist in the Marvel Universe that you want to play with in the future? You know, that's such a loaded question. I can't possibly, because, uh, you know, yes, yes, and yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, there's so much more to tell and so many more wonderful stories that I'm sure um, uh, folks are going to, you know, open the doors to as these characters grow and change and, and move into movies and series and, you know, as the MCU does so beautifully. So, um, you know, yet to see. But, uh, of course, all of the characters are so compelling. I'd love to work with any one of them. Absolutely. One final question regarding Sharon Carter. It's the character we left on, the post credit scene. You know, she's going back into the government. She's on the phone with somebody. A lot of rumblings going on on the internet that she might be linked or maybe even be a scroll herself. I'm just curious. Have you heard any of those rumors? I've heard the rumors. I can tell you uh, I know nothing. And that's, that's all we can really ask at this point. We'll see what happens in the future. Uh, Kari, thank you so much for taking the time. I always appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Carrie for joining us once again here on the Direct Podcast. We appreciate her and everybody else so, so much. But right now, you know, the Falcon Winter Soldier, it's been a week, Liam. It's sat with us for a while. It's it's mm. rested. It's settled. And uh, we at the Direct.com have the unfortunate task of ranking all of these Marvel Cinematic Universe projects and combining one big master list. We think this is the best way to get an idea for where these movies rank within each other because we have a collection of over 20 writers for the direct giving their input and building this master list. So today we're going to reveal the landing spot for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Me and Liam are both going to talk about where we have in our personal rankings. But first, let me give you just a quick preview of where the MCU Direct rankings hit so far. At number 24, The Incredible Hulk. At number 23, Thor, The Dark World. Number 22, Thor. Number 21, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Number 20, Iron Man 2. Number 19, Captain Marvel. Number 18, Iron Man 3. Number 17, Ant-Man. 16, Doctor Strange. 15, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. 14, Spider-Man Far From Home. 13, Captain America, The First Avenger. 12, Avengers Age of Ultron. 11, WandaVision. 10, Iron Man. 9, Black Panther. 8, Spider-Man Homecoming. 7, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. 6, 
Thor Ragnarok 5, The Avengers 4, Captain America The Winter Soldier 3, Captain America Civil War 2, Avengers Endgame 1, Avengers Infinity War. If you can't keep track with that mess of a list, check out the direct.com, search Matt Rimke in R-O-E-M-B as a boy K-E, and you will find this list. Liam, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, your most anticipated project, came and went, and we loved it. We weren't disappointed. Where does it rank on your personal list? And I want you to kind of talk about what movies are around it, above and behind. Give it a little bit of context. So this comes in on my personal list, which is very, very different from most most MCU yes, rankings. Yes, it is. Um, Falcon Winter Soldier comes in at number six. Wow. I love this show. Haven't stopped thinking about the finale, and I haven't rewatched it yet because I just, like I said uh, last episode, I don't want to lose that emotional weight. Projects like this, I'll reiterate it make me do what make me want to do what we are doing right now it makes me want to talk into a microphone about comic book movies it makes me want to write about comic book movies it makes me want to theorize and talk with my friends and spend hours and hours recapping and and realizing and and just everything that we love about this community falcon winter soldier elevated that for me uh around it didn't crack my top five i thought about it at first at first i put it above civil war can you believe that right Then I came down to earth. No. A little bit. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, my my top five is is you know Winter Soldier, Endgame, Infinity War, Spider Man Homecoming. Adore that movie. Civil War. So it doesn't crack into the top five. I think it had a very good chance to, if it got to do everything it set out to do pre pandemic. Personally, um, below it, a uh, couple interesting names. Uh, the Avengers. Just Avengers. I think hot take about the MCU. I think is the most the the most unrewatchable movie in terms of it gets hurt a little bit um because of just the time i think the cgi is a little spotty and the story isn't as great um rewatching it it's still a great movie and it's still my number seven like it that's by no means saying it's bad but uh i think falcon winter soldier is slightly above it uh and other movies you know iron man 3 which i adore but falcon winter soldier i think it's a bit cleaner um and wandavision again i love the story love the show but by comparison, I had a I had a much better time week to week with Falcon Winter Soldier. Interesting, and you know it's not surprising for you know you're a Captain America guy. These are the stories mm. you gravitate to, and makes sense that it's so high on your list. Um, I have it high on my list, not nearly as high as you. However, um, it falls for me at number eleven, and it falls just behind the Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron at 9 and 10, and just ahead, and this one is what hurt me, Iron Man and Black Panther. I think that this show, um, the highs, like I said last week, were as elite as they get for an MCU show. I think they set out to do something bold and courageous, and they nailed it. And, uh, you know, I'll talk later about how much I appreciate that within comic book films. But, you know, I do... I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Last week, I, I pointed out a lot of problems I have with this show. And the reality of the fact is, in the MCU, there are pro- there are just numerous projects that I don't have problems with. At most, I have nitpicks. Now, Age of Ultron, I do have problems with. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy that movie more. Um, I, I like the team up. I love the chemistry in that movie a little bit more than in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But for it to be at 11, for me, is so... I, 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 I hold it so highly... I think in my heart, it's higher than what it is on this list, you know, because I do love everything that was great about this show, but you know, what pulls it down for me, you know, as somebody who does 
look at character development and story and continuity at a very high premium. I think um, some of the issues I have with it pulls it down because they are issues that I feel strongly about as opposed to a nitpick or two like I might have with a WandaVision. So let's let's do it, Liam. Hmm. 15 plus riders at the direct.com voted and on our master list, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier falls at number 12. Number 12 on the master list. So starting at 15, Spider-Man Far From Home. Number 14, Captain America, the first Avenger. Number 13, Avengers Age of Ultron. Number 12, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Number 11, WandaVision. And then hitting our top 10 with Iron Man. So um, this falls a little closer to where I, ha- I have it on my personal list. Not as high as you have it, but still, like you mentioned, Liam, a top half movie. And, you know, we're 25 projects in. And, and you know, for a show like this that, you know, we both admitted has flaws. And in the MCU, just having flaws can bring you out of the top half. This one remains there. What are your thoughts on the 12 ranking by your fellow writers at the direct.com? I think it's appropriate for as close to an objective list as you can get because I, 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 you know, I have a lot of personal bias with my list, especially with characters that I like. And, you know, who doesn't? You know, it's your it's sure. your personal preference. So I'm not too upset. I do think that there are some movies that I would put it ahead um, in the top half, but it's hard because of where they place. Like, I, I understand having WandaVision above it, but I wouldn't necessarily, like, swap it all the way down to eight to put it above like a Thor Ragnarok or like seven at a guardians of the galaxy. Like the reshuffling gets so complicated mm-hmm. that I think 12 is, is a very appropriate spot. I do wish it cracked the top 10 because I do think it has moments that are MCU um, immortal. Like we'll go back mm-hmm. and that episode six, I think for years to come, will be talked about as one of the greatest hours of comic book television. Um, but still, not not too upset. Um, I'm just I'm happy it's in the top half. Wish, wish it cracked the top ten though. I'm with you. Um, I I think this is an appropriate spot for it. You know, this is a new genre of MCU, this Disney Plus thing. And WandaVision, I think, after its last episode came into this list at number nine. Uh, after revoting with the Falcon and, Winter, and the Winter Soldier included, it got dropped back to number eleven. So the interesting thing is the first two Disney Plus shows both crack our top half of the mcu and you know you touched on a little bit but just comparing it to wandavision and the falcon and the winter soldier we told people weeks and weeks leading up to the falcon and the winter soldier i can't wait to stop saying that name by the way yeah weeks and weeks leading up to that to not compare these movies contrastingly don't put them right next to each other and expect one to be you know the same but better you know they're such different stories but something i realized after watching the entirety of the falcon and the winter soldier is they both did one very big thing they dealt with one very big personal real world issue in a very nuanced way wandavision dealt with depression grief and loss in a way that we've never seen before in something like this the falcon and winter soldier dealt with equality race and you know just living different lives perspective in a lot of ways and in ways we've never seen before so it's so cool that they both did something similar so differently but they both achieved such a great goal the reason i happy is not the right word obviously i'm a wanda guy you're a captain america guy so you know there's a little bit of competition here but the the fact that wandavision is ahead of the falcon and winter soldier for me i think is because like we talked about there is no sharon carter 
in that show that we're just scratching our heads and like you know disappointed at the character like the ralph boner thing you know pissed a lot of people off but that's the eighth ninth most important character in that show and by the way he was ralph your your boy ralph you know yeah. Yeah. like that was your favorite character in the show for so long it ended up being yeah. Evan Peters. um but but you know like i said earlier i feel like wandavision has more nitpicks and the falcon winter soldier has fewer but more problems um so me personally and i don't want to offend anybody i feel like there's a teardrop between wandavision and the falcon and the winter soldier on this list specifically just because it gets to a point where um you know it's more it's more biased and less egregious when it gets to the falcon winter soldier that's just my piece i think that's mostly fair um sharon carter i'll, ra- <laughs> I'll raise you a dotty in that scenario i think you know obviously i love what they did with dotty that you know she was built up like not even built up but like she was hinted at being more important but at the end of the day she's just somebody who wants her kid back like that was almost like a plot twist you know and i, and I appreciate it, it it fit the tone of the sure. uh show a little bit for me yeah uh Got the there. <laughs> my, my my perspective on that is that's just like the same way that I, I have a lot of biased um, lenses on with certain elements of Falcon Winter Soldier. I think that's a little little WandaVision bias, which is not a bad thing. Like, that's your girl. That's your character. Like, there are elements of Falcon Winter Soldier that I absolutely love that I think I only love because I'm a Cap guy through and through. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I I just, man, like, I always look back. Like, I'm not regretful of Falcon Winter Soldier. I think it's phenomenal. And again, it's my number six but I just salivate at the chance of like what we could have got if like the full pitch, because Spellman uh, recent interviews, I know we haven't really touched on it, but recent interviews, he said that there was a storyline that was dropped. That was a part of his original pitch that he's so passionate about that he wants them to do. He wants to do a book series about it. It doesn't even have to be Marvel. You know, it doesn't even have to be Marvel. You can just adapt that storyline, make it without superheroes and just do a random, whatever it was going to be. But like, I just, I really wish we got to see that full vision realize I'm not upset that, you know, it didn't happen. Like, it's not enough for me to like scratch it out of my, out, out of my top 10. But I just, I really wish, because WandaVision, nothing, it was clear and as night and day that everything they wanted to do in that show, they set out to do. Falcon Winter Soldier, I think that there were some elements that didn't get fully realized. And I think that that does hurt it a little bit. To me, I find it, like almost unfair like i, I want to be like no it, it's an asterisk but at the end of the day we got to take these for surface level we got to grade them for what we got and mm-hmm. what we got appropriately i think is a 12 spot two amazing starts to phase four one mm. vision falcon winter soldier two just shows that both of us you know i'm a wanted guy you're a cap guy we loved every single week of all of those shows. We have had nothing but fun. I'm so excited for Loki. I'm so excited for the end of Bad Batch to you know do a full season review, hopefully. And I just can't wait to keep reviewing new content with you, man, because with you and these fans that we have online and everybody listening right now, it's just so fun going week to week, learning these stories. And that has been another edition of The Direct Ranks. And we will see you next time at the end of Loki when we bring it into this list. But for now, we're moving on to the direct draft. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another star-studded edition of the direct draft. I am Matt Rimke, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Liam Crowley. What's up, everyone? Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, too, man. It's good to see you. And Liam, our special guest today, for his second straight draft here Mm. on the direct 
here mm. on the Direct Podcast, a fellow writer for us on the Direct.com, the host of the Lights Thunder Action Podcast from Gatorville, Florida, David Thompson. David! Matt, Liam, thank you so much for having me. I love these drafts. I cannot wait to dive into the days. We're coming straight off the NFL draft. It just finished, Ooh. and I cannot wait to get into this draft. It's an exciting one. It's one that I have been waiting for. Let's get into it. Absolutely, and we will. But real quick, we got a little bit of house cleaning. The results of our last draft. I do not have exact numbers, boys, but I did count. And I do know the winner. It was a tight one between... Liam and David. Oh. For who had the best team of MCU duos and with the late push Instagram vote specifically. Oh. Our own Liam Crowley got the dub. Congrats. Congrats. Wow. Or, Thank you. I, I saw myself pulling squad. away on I saw myself pulling away on social media and I was just under the impression that if Matt Remke is not winning, he's not going to bother counting. So I was, I'm kind of surprised. So thank you. <laughs> a little shot at my integrity, even though I lost and I admitted it and, and I, I didn't even well, brag on I, it, but that's your I first only, draft win, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. That's a big Aiden, one. I guess one. I remember when we did the, the future uh, projects with Brandon Davis, you were like, when you saw yourself pulling away, you got you got the ticker out and you were yeah. counting, counting, counting because hey, that's that's a win that you was gotta a close one. <laughs> yeah. I, it's it's in my Twitter bio. I beat Brandon Davis in a draft. But um go. so congratulations, Liam. David, thank you for helping us with that one a few weeks ago. But guys, this is the draft. This is the mm. one I've been excited about. This is the draft where we all get to kick back, relax, and feel like kids again, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, people listening to this podcast thank you for choosing to have us in your ears because today we'll be drafting the best non-mcu marvel movies that is any movie based on a marvel character made outside of the marvel cinematic universe a lot of x-men a lot of spider-man a lot of running through the woods and a lot of funerals just so <laughs> many funerals man and it's gonna be amazing this these are the legacy movies you know like a lot of yeah. these movies were made a little more contemporary and i'm sure many of them will get picked but you know there's a few standout nostalgia picks in this draft and i cannot wait to dive in guys you know just real quick before we get started uh liam i'll go to you first these old school Marvel movies, Spider-Man, X-Men, you know, these else world universes for Marvel characters, obviously the MCU is in a different league. What, what draws you to these, you know, these projects that don't get the credit of an MCU movie, but man, Marvel movies just hit different. Yeah. It's what I grew up on. The nostalgia is a big, big factor. Um, I remember I had birthday parties um, at some of these movies we'll reveal later on. Uh, Spider-Man 3 especially was like the first comic book movie I think I saw the opening weekend. Like it felt like an event. It was my first wow. real theater event experience. So even before the MCU, I wouldn't credit these movies as being like, oh, the MCU got me into comic book movies and these are like auxiliary enjoyment. It's kind of the opposite. The auxiliary mm -hmm. ones got me into what became the MCU. So I look back on just about every one of these fondly. None of them make me angry with how bad they can be. It's like, <laughs> oh, you know, that's a fun, that's a fun time. That's a good memory. Absolutely. And David, I want to go to you. These are some of the biggest characters in comic books. I mean, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Professor X, you know, all of these, you know, the Fantastic Four, um, you know, uh, other projects like Blade. Some of the biggest projects 
in and some of the biggest characters in the Marvel universe are in these projects. You know, I know you're a Spider-Man guy, so mm-hmm. you know we have five, seven, six, seven Spider-Man movies we're picking, we're picking from today. How excited are you to devote that much time to the Web Slinger? I'm very excited, and like you were saying, going back to what '99 when Marvel sold off all these characters. I mean, that's mm-hmm. pretty much what we're discussing right now. All of they sold off their most popular characters, point blank: X-Men, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. Um, they just shipped them off. Hulk, even uh, technically, um, and. I guess technically could be on the list. Oh, just thought about that. Hulk. Um, well, not, not the MCU one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, these are truly, at least they were the most popular Marvel characters. And like Liam was saying, I mean, these are what got me excited for what became the MCU. Like Spider-Man to me is what the original Spider-Man movies, especially the first two, they're the ones that got me into Marvel movies in general or superhero movies in general. You know, they're really my first ones, especially the first Spider-Man. I remember watching it all the time on DVD, closing my eyes for the spider bite scene um, and, and just absolutely falling in love. Like I was a movie, a Spider-Man movie fan first before I was a comic book guy, then got into comic books because of the movies. So unlike a lot of people, that that was my route. And yeah, a lot of these movies, especially the Spider-Man ones, is the reason why I care so deeply about the MCU to this day. Absolutely. And I, I, I couldn't echo that more. I think, you know, we got a nice wide range of generations here. You know, Liam's on the younger side. I'm 26. David's right in the middle. So like we all we all were at different mm-hmm. ages of fandom at the at this point in time. You know, like it was Liam, you were born the same year X-Men came out, right? The day X-Men came out. The day X-Men wow. came out. That was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. The day you were born. You know what I mean? That's so like crazy. Wow. So like we're all at different places in our lives through these movies. Like I remember the Spider-Man and X-Men cartoons. Those were my, uh, you know, interest yes. into comic book amazement. Right. So when those movies came out, I wasn't just like excited for a fun commercial. Like these are my cartoons coming to life. So I cannot wait to just talk positively about these movies for once yeah. without the, without the filter of, well, you got to compare it to the MCU in our minds. We have a list of, I have, I found 23. I'm sure I missed a couple. But we have 23 movies to pick from here. We're going to compare them to each other, not anything else. And that's the best part. So we're going to get it started with our guests because, Liam, men of integrity. Men of honor. Stand-up guys. Stand-up guys. Like, Mac Jones is a stand-up guy. We're just like that. Got him. David, kick us off with the first pick in the non-MCU Marvel movie. All right, guys, this may come as a surprise, but for the number one overall pick on Team David, it's going to have to be Logan. Um, Mm. Not doing Spider-Man, even though I think in my heart that's where I should go, but I'm not going to go for that right now, at least not yet. Logan, to me, is point blank, arguably the best movie on this list, and I think is it's the most relevant right now. I mean, Logan came out in 2017, to me, it's the best X-Men movie, point blank. Whereas Spider-Man, I think, can be a little bit more debated. To me, Logan, X-Men is the most it is just the best X-Men movie, even though it's hardly even an X-Men movie. Hugh Jackman, it's simply his best performance as the character. And he was in, you know, how many X-Men movies as Logan, as Wolverine? Patrick Stewart puts on such a great performance as a senile you know, old Professor X and oh my gosh, just the fact that they, that Fox had the, 
I guess the kind of foresight to make this movie and not just keep doing the world building X-Men while they continued that with Apocalypse, you know, um, what was it? The Dark Phoenix, where those movies, you know, I didn't like them at all. Um, but Logan, they're like, hey, let's just make this solid, almost Elseworld kind of story around this one character in this almost apocalyptic future in some ways. And oh my gosh, it's just, you know, they went rated R, which is brilliant, bloody. We got X24, who is terrifying. Also Hugh Jackman, um, great, like dual performance by him. Um, then we have Laura in it and, and she's just a great character, their relationship. It's just the fact that they include old X-Men comics in it. And it's just like, oh my gosh. And obviously the ending, the brutal death um, of Wolverine, like gets you every time, even as a guy, honestly, who's not a big X-Men fan, it, it tore my heart out, um, I think. And, and the movie stands alone. That's another part of it where I think a lot of other X-Men movies don't so much. This movie, I could play it to anyone right now. And they'd be like, wow, that was great. I also, quick shout out on the Blu-ray, you got, I got another disc that was the black and white version. Mm -hmm. And it hits a lot better than Zack Snyder's Justice League in black and white. It, 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 <laughs> it seems like it was truly made for black and white. But yes, yes, guys, Logan is my number one overall pick. What do you guys think? Logan, I will say, I'm ready to give it a, a big hyperbolic statement. It has the single greatest symbolic shot in comic book movie history when that cross mm. turns to the x so perfect so culminating it, it it fulfills like hugh jackman's nearly two decade run as the character in one single shot uh i love logan it's one of those movies i put into the category of you don't want to watch it too much because you don't want to lose the emotional weight so i've only seen it I think twice. I think I've only yeah. seen it twice. And Me that too. doesn't lessen the enjoyment. It's just because it's that damn good and you want to leave it being that special. Great pick. Yeah. It's an awesome pick. Uh, I think that Logan is as dark night as we've been since 2008. You know, no, there's no better movie that involves comic book characters than Logan other than maybe dark night. You know, it's got, yeah. I mean, it's that good. I mean, it's that you know, special of a film that just so happens to involve not just comic book characters, but, you know, some of the most famous and recognizable comic book characters of all time and Logan and Professor X. Um, you know, it's it's just amazing actors on screen doing amazing things. And what makes what makes this movie so amazing is people want to focus on the performances, the score, the cinematography is just mind blowing, right? Rated R Wolverine, something that we've wanted since day one and we got it in the best way. You know, paying homage to Hugh Jackman, you know, being a Robert Downey Jr. level character, you know, he was the first. You know, no, there's been no better casting in superhero movies than Hugh Jackman. You want to focus on all those things, but when you really look at the story, like, it's good. It's the most comic booky story that there is. <laughs> there's clones. There's clone daughters, which are different. They they poison the corn syrup to get rid of all the mutants, and then yeah. and then the baby mutants rise up and defeat the bat. Like it's so comic booky, but you don't even notice it because it's such an amazing piece of cinema. An excellent pick. Um, I I agree Thank with you. you. Probably the best pure movie on this list. If you take out comic book, I think it's number one. But uh. We're going to keep moving on and see if we can chink that armor a little bit with a big number one pick there by David. Where's my man? Where's my boy? Liam. Let's get him. 
and uh, an excellent pick, if you will. <laughs> turn off, the, turn off the mics. <laughs> uh, my my first pick, sticking with X Men movies, it's a hill I will die on forever, and that is that this is a top ten comic book movie all time. X Men: Days of Future Past. Wow, I absolutely adore this movie. I don't care how many times I watch it kind of the opposite of where I placed like Logan and Endgame where I only watch it a couple times because I wanted to have that emotional weight. I've seen Infinity War, Days of Future Past, The Dark Knight upwards of 20 times and it <laughs> never gets old because of how epic it is. I would argue Days of Future Past, maybe not walked, but crawled so an Infinity War could run. They mm. combined two generations of characters seamlessly sure the the original x-men trilogy has some continuity woes but with how they integrate it here i think that this is the best continuity fox x-men ever did i think the story is fantastic because at its core it has so many big characters and so many giant action set pieces but it revolves around one super small event which is just convincing in i believe it's the 70s that no mutants are okay and we don't need to hunt them down the whole plot centers around having Mystique not shoot Bolivar Trask. Like that is like 1917 levels of specific. In 1917, all it is is a mission to say, call off the attack. And it's surrounded by epicness. Days of Future Past is all about, you know, calling off this one event so that a bunch of giant, awesome, you know, action set pieces don't occur in the future. Um, I think the acting is phenomenal. Uh, James McAvoy gives his best performance as Professor X, in my opinion, and it's not even close. Uh, Michael Fassbender is phenomenal. Hugh Jackman seamlessly works into the old generation cast. I don't think that there were any um, chemistry issues when he transferred over like that. And I just, I adore the movie. And yeah, I have nothing but positive things to say about X-Men Days of Future Past. My number one pick, my favorite movie outside of the MCU in the comic book realm. Comic books, man. Aren't they awesome? Like, <laughs> like you know, you, you're right. This is a small story. This is the most comic booky, you know, two timelines mixing in together to save the world in the future. But it, you're, it's just so well done when they focus on the certain characters they're focusing on. It's um, This is the hottest X-Men movies have ever been. You know, Logan was yeah. different. That was more of a uh, a send off, an epilogue, if you will. Yeah. But you know, this is prime X Men coming off a great reboot, kinda, to be a great sequel, kinda, to you know, perfectly merge together to canons, kinda. But like, it's a lot. This movie attempted so much, and for it to be as good as it is, it has no business doing so, especially as a Foxman movie. And I just want to point out a few of the decisions that they made in this movie that were risky, but man, did they pay off just because of the way the story was told. Dual timelines with two sets of characters that we know and love. You know, we've, we've met old Professor X and Magneto. We've met new Professor X and Magneto, and they merged them together. Wolverine being the vehicle for this story between past and future, future and now. All that, I think, is so, um, you know, perfectly, obviously Wolverine, right? But I think it was, it made a lot of sense in the story, which I like. The Sentinel program, just introducing that, but doing it in the 70s so they can look cartoony. They can look like the Sentinels I was scared of when I was a little kid watching Fox yeah. cartoons, you know? Like those big, giant, purple crushers and and that was a really cool decision and then having all of my this is a small thing but having all of that futuristic apocalyptic action scenes in the front of the movie you know the first 10 15 minutes getting yeah. that 
getting that out right away and then getting into the you know the tone shift stuff what an amazing move to just rope you in and get you on the edge of your seat because we don't know the names of any of those x-men except for bobby but man those are some of the best action pieces you'll see in an x-men movie so um i love this movie and it's it's i'm the opposite i've only seen it two or three times but every time i see it i find new things that i really love about it for the mess of a universe the x-men is they did their best <laughs> to retcon and tie it together and we got a great movie out of it good pick yeah great pick um quick shout out i drink and i know things shout out Peter in this movie absolute great performance by him i love that guy and he's great in this another comic movie appearance um i love this movie um and i'm not even a big x-men guy before or after this but to me this is where it meets in the middle and does it so well. Like this movie should be the mess that the other ones are like Apocalypse yeah. and Dark right. Phoenix. It's incredible that this is the great one. And those that should be a little easier of a task are the, are the complete messes. While this, like you said, two different timelines happening at the same time. I mean, so I actually, it should be live at this point. I just wrote an article for the direct.com. Go check it out on time travel movies leading up to Loki. And this is one of them that I included because I wanted to throw in some comic book ones when I could. And this is such an interesting one where Wolverine, his business is sent back to his old body. You get that opening scene of him, you know, naked in the room. And that, that's great. And it reminds me also of the House of M comic book line run where, you know, he's kind of the one that's almost like it's, it's totally different. But he's the one that's kind of aware and awoken mm -hmm. in, the, in an unknown world. Yeah. And it's so it's such a cool concept. It's a great comic book movie, honestly, or um, and time travel movie as well. Like, I think it's such an interesting take with Kitty Pride sending him back. And yeah, I, I would agree with everything you guys have been saying. I, too, with Matt, I've only watched it maybe a few times. Um, I've definitely seen like Logan Moore, for instance, just because it in some ways it kind of rubs me the wrong way now knowing where it leads and all of that but yeah. in the moment it was great you know it, it didn't set up anything and it also was kind of it did set up a lot but nothing that was good is the better way of putting it but yeah great choice liam i read that movie and hey to this point no spider-man off the board two x-men back to back in the first two picks wow yeah let's fix that let's, <laughs> let's, let's change that tune uh -huh. i am i am over the moon thrilled with uh what is left out of my next two picks both of those movies uh were movies that i love and wanted on my list uh two of my top three uh or at least two of my top four um but these two that i get right now i'm just so excited because you know this is a thing going around going around on the internet these are comfort movies for me but beyond that these are two movies that change the game and the first one spider-man into the spider-verse mm -hmm. uh for my, for my money the best spider-man movie ever made it's um that there's something i i put so much stock into when movies attempt to do something that is crazy and crush it you know i i, I value that so much when what they're trying to do is so beyond my imagination and they not only succeed it's not only just good and makes sense it's incredible and it transcends you know just you know how we looked at these characters before the movie started and i think this movie does a great job is a cartoon hip-hop driven sony produced spider-man movie that features over six different variants of spider-man and the lead character's name is not peter parker 
the yeah. craziest attempt at a Spider-Man movie ever. And it, it, it won awards. It stole fandom. It introduced an entire generation of comic book readers to these brand new characters that are going to propel well past, you know, anything that we've seen in the MCU. We're going to be hearing about Miles Morales for a long time. And this movie played a big part of it. And it's, it's not only the funniest Spider-Man movie, in my opinion, it's not only the most creative Spider-Man movie. I think that's a given, but I think, for me, it's the most fan-serviced Spider-Man movie. Like, it had clips from all of the Raimi trilogy, the Amazing Spider-Man. Like, it paid homage to all the Spider-Man movies that came before it. The soundtrack, the comedy, the visual, the characters, just the story. It's so, it's so, um, you, you find yourself in this story at some point. You know, you are Miles or Gwen or Peter B. Parker or uh, Captain Davis at some point in this movie. Every single time. I watch it, I find something new, and uh, the biggest criticism about this movie that I've seen that has any validity is that it's an animation, so I don't like it as much, which is fine, but this animation style, game changer. We've never seen anything like this. Like, Lego Movie maybe was the last time we saw something I was like, I've never seen that on a movie ever this type of animation, this, this yeah. creativity. And, and I just love this movie. Every time I watch it, I get the same feelings from the first time I watched it and then some, so I'm so excited that I get to have it as my number one pick. Yeah. I think it's a great pick. Um, it, it, it was definitely one that I considered. Um, there is part of me where I love the animation style and I love what it is and the direction they went with it. There's part of me that's always, I don't know, I always prefer live action for whatever reason, right? Like, and this isn't an, a Spider-Man ranking, but for whatever reason, it's like I always prefer live action. But to like, they topped out on what you can do with animation. That style they do is so just, you know, pushing the limits. And I cannot wait for the sequel. Um, this was a weird movie when it came out. It really didn't make, it wasn't a booming success. Um, for Sony, it was a success, but it didn't make them maybe quite the amount of money they wanted to. The thing is, amongst fans, this is a beloved film. I mean, a lot of fans initially were like almost like closeted, like, oh, it's the best Spider-Man movie ever, but almost ashamed to say it. And now there's a pack of fans that are like, yes, this is the best Spider-Man movie. Amongst everything it does well. I just really want to see Miles Morales in live action. I don't know if you guys have played the Miles Morales game for um, PS4, PS5. It like, please, like, give it to me in live action. He's a great character. Um, I think doing something interesting like this with the Spider-Verse, as when we know in the MCU, there is a Spider-Verse-y thing possibly coming around the corner. Um, the fact that something live action that could possibly resemble, re resemble this is coming in No Way Home or beyond that, I can't believe. And just shout out to music, man. <laughs> the music in this is unbelievable the moment when miles off the building like that to me if they didn't have that superhero like moment with the music going and everything just like the, the animation just you could tell they pumped in a ton of money and also effort into that just first time in his new suit jumping off the building i love it um and great pick honestly great number one overall pick liam what do you think What's up, Danger, Sunflower, Way Up by Jaden, Familia by Nicki Minaj, Hide by Juice World, Memories by Thoughtmost, and Scared of the Dark by Lil Wayne, and some features. The soundtrack makes this movie. It's phenomenal. The original music, some of my favorite scenes. I remember when we did our best Spider-Man moments 
um, draft with uh, Soups. You can check it out. It's on the podcast feed. One of my favorite scenes is that Scared of the Dark scene when Peter Parker uh, dies and they're walking through New York City and Scared of the Dark is playing. It's so good. It's one of those movies that kind of opposite Matt in terms of uh, how I appreciate movies. Movies that take risks and, you know, it pays off big time. Like, I just, I still appreciate them at face value regardless of how great that risk was. So I really love this movie, but it's not, it's not in my top Spider-Man movie conversation per se. I I always, like David, prefer live action and that's not a fault on Spider-Verse, you know? It does a great job. It's just different strokes, different folks. Like, that's just how I roll. Um, And yeah, Spider-Verse though, great pick. Thank you. And um, I am also very excited for my next pick because you want to talk about back game changers. Yeah, so absolutely. You want to talk about game changers. You want to talk about, you know, Hugh Jackman, Robert Downey Jr., Brian Reynolds. You know, uh, 2016, 2016 was a crazy year, guys. The Cubs <laughs> won the World Series. I started dating the woman that I will spend the rest of my life with, and Ryan Reynolds gave us Deadpool. Like, <laughs> I couldn't ask for more out of a calendar year than what we got from Deadpool in 2016. This movie changed everything. You know, like the the rated R comic book movie was born with Deadpool and listening to Shoop on top of the highway and jumping into that car. Like it it changed <laughs> everything. We we had one like we had one idea for what a stylistic, you know, specifically toned superhero movie looked like before Deadpool that completely changed after Deadpool. There's no up yeah. to that point, there was no movie built around a character that just felt the vibe of what you were going for with the script, the acting, this, the tone set in this crazy X-Men universe that it had no business being in. And it turns out to be one of the most lovable anti-heroes we've ever seen. There's no, there's nobody who watches Deadpool and thinks like, yeah, you know, I, I, it just wasn't for me. There's something in there for everybody. If 80, percent of the jokes don't hit for you at least 20 will and they're gonna hit like a ton of bricks um you know the comedy the action i mean this is action we've never seen in comic book movies before this the rated r obviously gave it that ability but they were so creative with it they were they were unique with the way that they use action guys i'm gonna drop a bombshell on you that i learned in research 58 million dollar budget for deadpool wow 58 million dollars to make this what is now just a spectacular of a movie that you know this is arguably the most resourceful comic book movie of all time because it's a small he says it right he says it right at the top this is just a small love story and that's really all it is but it kicks ass and you know the story i think is um serviceably put together you know i'd even say it was good like like you know maybe really good but the fact that the characters and the comedy and the charisma and the chemistry on screen, specifically between Ryan Reynolds and the um, actress who plays uh, the girlfriend. Is that the mom from How I Met Your Mother? No, no. No, that's, way off. That's, no, this is um, the chick from Gotham. Yes. Whatever. Um, <laughs> they they have such an amazing chemistry, and it drives Marina Bachrin. Marina Bachrin, obviously. Thank you, research department. Um, and if the nonstop laughs and the nonstop action in the heart of this movie isn't enough, there's one actor, one character that made their way over from the Fox Disney deal. There's yeah. one character that had to be in the MCU, and that's Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, because you don't change that. You don't broke. You don't fix what ain't broke. 
and man, is this thing fixed. Yeah, um, I was going to point out Ajax is a great villain. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's so hateable, that actor. Um, oh, my gosh. And it's crazy. I mean, we want to talk about a resourceful, mo- resourceful movie with that budget. Talk about a, a bang for your buck movie. Because this, mm-hmm. how much mo- money did this movie make? Uh, so maybe I'll look it up. Over 750. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Kind of like what I was saying where like Spider-Verse was kind of like, that was maybe the floor of what they wanted. They shot it out of the roof for Fox. Um, Green lit us a sequel immediately. And like you said, he's coming to the MCU in some form or fashion. He's going to be on, he's going to, it's going to be a Disney film somehow. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe they'll do under the uh, 20th Pictures Studios tag or whatever that new thing is now that they bought Fox. Um, a shout out to the um, costume. No, I feel like we underrate how perfect that costume is now. Where, you know, everyone's getting all excited about these new MCU costumes, whether it be Wanda, Captain America, possibly Miss Marvel. You know, all these new costumes coming out. Ryan Rounds as Deadpool, him in it without the mask and his disgusting face with the mask on. I mean, the, the animations they do with his face, how they're able to make him show, you know, expressions. And it's a little le- it's a little more subtle than, say, Tom Holland's Spider-Man with the eyes, right? Um, it, it, it's perfect. I mean, it looks beautiful. I remember seeing in theaters, laughing my ass off, just having a great time. And it opened up this world, I think, to R-rated comic book movies that don't have to be Blade. You know what I mean? Like, now we're, I think because of Deadpool, in a certain way, we're getting a James Gunn R-rated Suicide Squad that's bound to make a ton of money, even though it's on HBO Max, maybe they'll add subscribers. This, this movie really changed a lot of the comic book industry. And I think because of its success, because of Ryan Reynolds being a perfect actor for the role, that's why he's Kevin Feige and Disney are like, we have this, right? We have to continue this legacy, do a threequel, maybe on from there. I don't know. Great pick. Deadpool is an historic movie that really sets the standard for R-rated comic book. Deadpool was so good that I had to convince one of my senior friends at the time to take me to the theater to see it because I couldn't get in uh, solo because I was underage. It was already. Um, and I had a great time on the initial viewing. I still own the Blu-ray. Ryan Reynolds is perfect in the role. Um, so many just jokes are so memorable. One of my favorites is when he goes, you know, I'm taking you to see the professor. Oh, McAvoy or Stewart. These timelines are so Stewart. confusing. Just yeah. Humor. <laughs> is perfect and it has me just salivating for the jokes they're going to make about the mcu because you know they have so much to pick from uh my second round pick it's kind of tough i don't know whether to stick with some some mutants or to deviate a little um but i'm gonna deviate a little because i fear uh oh no it's not my pick it's david's pick he has no it's your pick bub no it's your pick it's your pick yeah yep you're the yeah, I thought. Yeah, he picked Logan. You picked Days of Future Past, and then I went back to back. Now so back David to just did such a great monologue about Deadpool <laughs> that it made me <laughs> think it was his. his. Uh, it's that talks, good of a pick, guys. He, he, he waxed <laughs> poetic so well about it that I, I thought it was David's pick. That's what I'm here for. Anyways, my pick. We're gonna deviate a little bit. We're gonna go <laughs> Spider-Man movies, and I am gonna go with a nostalgia pick: Spider-Man Three from 2007. I love this movie. Oh, I wow. Care. Give me the faces. Keep them coming. Let's Keep go. 
<laughs> Go. Movie, I'm I, I, I said at the top, uh, the first comic book movie I saw in theaters, the first movie in theaters, I made a priority to see opening weekend. And every time I revisit it, I don't care if I have the MCU lens on of what a quality comic book movie can and should be. It just hits. The memories come back. The final battle with Sandman and Venom versus uh, Harry and Peter teaming up together is still so epic. Sure, story elements are cringe. Sure, character <laughs> motivations don't always make sense. But I have a great time. And these yeah. are, you know, yeah. we can approach this draft in two ways. You can approach it as picking the best quality movies or the ones that are your favorites. And this, to me, is just one of my favorites. And it'll never change. Spider-Man 3, for whatever reason, the cast hits, the battles hit, and the nostalgia still hits. Don't care. Give me your analysis. Hey, I mean, man, um, more than a lot of other people. And I love Spider-Man 3 when it initially came out, but I'm surprised by the pick. Absolutely. Um, I think the only issue with it that I think a lot of other people find is this: there's too many villains. Um, the other couple of Spider-Man movies, there's maybe too many villains, but Hey, when I watched it for the first time, I thought it was the greatest movie ever. <laughs> you know, right? Um, when you're young, you don't understand these kinds of things. I understand the nostalgia. Absolutely. I mean, you would have only been like seven years old when this came out. I was like nine. I mean, we're still young kids. And okay, point blank, the, Sp the Spider-Man Venom suit, the symbiote suit, is just one of the best things that i've ever seen on on a screen like when the initial shot of him and it comes out from that close up on his eye absolutely amazing um I, I think it's it's an interesting pick but it is definitely an aesthetically pleasing pick that involves a little too much dancing by toby mcguire but uh hey i like it uh, yeah yeah um this <laughs> So this is without a doubt, at least at the time, the most fun comic book movie that had ever been made, you know, like that. And that's the thing, like, you yeah. know, we just praise Days of Future Past for throwing the kitchen sink at a story. It worked for them. I, a lot of people would say that it worked for this. I personally wouldn't, but I respect the, you know, we got one more of these. Tobey Maguire already looks 47. Let's give them everything we got, <laughs> and they do. Um, it's, this movie is... Just such an interesting um, development of the Raimi trilogy because, and we'll get into it later when it's picked, but I, I feel like Spider-Man 2 learned a lot from uh, the mistakes and the pros of Spider-Man 1. And then I feel like in Spider-Man 3, it was almost like they reverted back to some of those Spider-Man 1 tendencies. However, I do just love the the scope of this movie within this universe. You know, it's it's a big movie and the big things are happening, but at the end of the day, it's Spider-Man fighting a couple bad guys on a construction site. It's not into the world. They could have made this trilogy the the world's going to end. Spider-Man needs to save them, you know? Like that it took us 17 years to get comfortable with Tom Holland doing that, you know? So, I I respect <laughs> the I respect the consistency in this movie compared to the tones from the first two. Uh, my biggest problems are just character development. Um, you know, we, we mentioned the Tobey Maguire dancing scene. People tend to forget that Harry uh, literally has amnesia half this movie. And, and, and that is just, it's, it's just something that I, I, I love James Franco and I appreciate the campiness of the goblin characters in these three movies. 
I, I, it's just jarring to me in the middle of this movie, rewatching it now, but just like you guys, when I was a kid, I was 11 or something like that. Biggest movie ever. I'd never seen anything like it. And it just, you know, the best Spider-Man video game from those first three, I think on yeah. PlayStation. Very good. So, um, you know, it's, it's the, the reason for me, I knew you were going to pick this movie, Liam, you know, we've known each other a long time. <laughs> I knew you were going to pick this movie. I'm shocked that you didn't save it because <laughs> I just don't think it would have gotten picked, you know? And, and I'm if just, you I'm know just... what I got. If you know what I got scheduled, it, it was not like, I'm not, I got nothing special in the next two rounds. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm so excited now, you know? Yeah. Like, all right. What a tease. Let's, get, let's keep it going. Let's keep yeah. it going. Great pick. Uh, a passion pick for Mr. Liam Crowley. Um, David, back to back. They say, I'm going to play this shit back to back. Took uh, a break from six. Now I'm back to that. I, I feel like the luckiest man in the world right now. I get to pick my favorite X-Men movie and my favorite Spider-Man movie. Come on, guys. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Spider-Man 2 is the pick. For me, this is my favorite Spider-Man movie. It is, and not only my favorite, but the best Spider-Man movie. Like I mentioned earlier about Spider-Man 3, this movie does the perfect job of having, you know, a simple story for all intents and purposes, not having too many villains, knowing when it is and executing on every level when it comes to character development, action, and just having a great um, villain where you see his side of it, right? Um, And not having too many villains. You know, Dr. Kurt Connors is in this movie. He's not the lizard, though, but that is, you know, we get a reference. <laughs> we, we, we get a reference to these other, you know, Spider-Man villains. And it's such a great little Easter egg. And there's a bunch of those kinds of things. Alfred Molina, I can't believe he's coming back. An outstanding performance as Doc Ock. Um, you know, you love him at first. And as a kid, like I mentioned earlier, like I wasn't I knew he was the villain of the movie, but you know, I wasn't a big comic book reader when I was super little or what I've been able to even retain it that young. So watching the movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I like this guy. And every time when he turns bad and he takes out all of those surgeons around him with the arms, when the arms kind of take over. Oh, terrifying scene. Like I said earlier, when I closed my eyes for the spider, uh, the spider bite in uh, Spider-Man one, the same thing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is horrifying. And they got the woman like scratching the floor. Ah, Sam Raimi, I guess, you know, sneak peek in. in uh, into the multiverse, but <laughs> Peter Parker's journey in this movie—you know, having him give up being Spider-Man, literally physically losing his abilities—and then to me, you know, the "What's Up Danger" scene in Spider-Verse came close to me for this, where it's like when he gets on his suit in the first time, Miles Morales—he jumps off the building. In this movie, it's a whole different set of circumstances, but just the hype and like fist pumping. Let's go when Tobey Maguire when the music hits. And Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker, has the suit back on. He's officially back as Spider-Man. He stole it back from J. Jonah Jameson. That scene is just incredible. He goes and fights Doc Ock. At least, and that springs, I mean, just an amazing sequence. Springs then straight into the train scene, which is an iconic comic book action scene, and deservedly so. The ending's great. I hope they don't mess it up with No Way Home, but honestly, I don't care. I absolutely love this movie. Liam, I thank you for taking Spider-Man 3 because I wanted this one so bad and I was afraid it wasn't going to get back to me. But yes, Spider-Man 2. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I I love it too. It's a great movie, but I just don't have the same emotional attachment to it just because a lot of my movies, um, we'll see how the draft pans out, but I'm pretty sure my entire roster will be 
movies I had a theatrical experience with and not having a Spider-Man 2 theater experience, it, it does detract it for me a little bit. I, 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 I'm envious that you guys have had, you know, the chance to like see it in theaters because in theaters, I'm sure it would be on my, it would be on my list. I'm sure it could have even been my first overall pick um, if I had a theater experience with it. But regardless, it's still a great pick. It had to be on this list. We weren't going to see a list without Spider-Man 2. And yep. yeah, all I have to say is that train scene, it's phenomenal. And it embodies everything that comic book Peter Parker um, is supposed to be. You know, he's just a kid. And they say that a hero will save us. I'm not going to save you away. I mean, the greatest credit song of all time, right? Like, like, <laughs> I get so hype every time it hits, man. And, and shout out uh, on the other end, the opening credits of this movie may be the best opening credits of any movie I've ever seen. Like it's, it's iconic. It's, it's webs and it's just, it's awesome. I love it. Um, and they even got that ripped ab picture of Tobey Maguire when he had the muscle suit on from the oh, first yeah. one. It's like oh, yeah. a big shot in the opening credits. So sick. Oh yeah. Um, this movie changed the comic <laughs> book landscape. You know, this movie, um, you know, people look at the Raimi trilogy as revolutionary because it, it, it laid the seeds for, what comic book movies would end up being and a lot of people when they hear when they hear that they may want to think oh spider-man one you know it, it changed it really was spider-man two where like i said earlier they learned from the mistakes from spider-man one because spider-man one was kind of half and half like it still had a lot of that campy you know late 90s early 2000s trope stuff that you know gave comic book movies a bad name but yeah. it also had a lot of great things spider-man 2 is a great sequel in that respect because it enhances on the good and it decreases the bad the villain doesn't just talk to himself you know like back and forth in a mirror he, we don't need to hear the other side of the conversation and it adds a creepiness to the doc Ock character that i think gives this movie validity in the sam raimi style um and you know I, I i give this movie crap because it's on masterpiece twitter you know like people want to put it in the same realm as dark knight and logan and infinity war and iron man and my problem with that is there are lows to this movie that hit pretty hard you know still hanging on to the late 90s early 2000s stuff but the yeah. highs and the highs in this movie are transcendent when you look back and think about where we are now with comic book movies with interesting villains yes mary jane watson was pretty much a set piece for most of this movie but she was a part of the story something we hadn't seen in comic book stories you know for a romantic relationship to be a part of the story not just an accessory to the story um and when this came out it was the best comic book movie of all time and it holds so much weight because of that this 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 movie deserves every hall of fame right in the comic book movie hall of fame because it 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 yeah laid it it laid the foundation for what we have now good pick great outro song um i and and liam i just gotta go back i'm just so surprised you didn't take that one just because i know you didn't have a theatrical experience i know you do love that movie as well so i'm really interested to see where you come back to um with your last picks because i thought spider-man 2 was going to be the one you two were fighting over a little bit you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so um david you got another pick kickoff round three of the non-mcu yeah. marvel movie draft yeah and you know um while you both the, both have been speaking about my spider-man 2 pick i've been looking at my board thinking pondering all right what should i go with here because at this point there's a lot of different options that i could roll with that i could back up and i landed on another spider-man sequel the amazing spider-man Two to me, this is not my. I don't think it's the best Spider-Man movie. 
I don't think it's the best Spider-Man movie that Andrew Garfield's in, but it's my favorite of those two. And aesthetically, I, I think about this movie more. It's more memorable to me. The highs of it are incredibly high. It Sony just messed with the movie. It, they were trying to set up something they never should have. It kind of underperformed at the box office, leading to Tom Holland becoming the Spider-Man we know and love today. But point blank, the suit, best suit I've ever seen Spider-Man in, in anything. Video games, comics, movie. For, to me, live action movies is the pinnacle of, of these characters. And that was the pinnacle of a suit for Spider-Man. The big eyes, the, the wrinkling you know, suit in that first diving scene. The score is amazing. Um, and just the acting by Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, as Peter, especially as a love interest to Gwen Stacy. And finally, when she unfortunately dies at the end of the movie, his acting in that scene, you really felt it. To me, Garfield is an Garfield to me is the best actor that's been Spider-Man point blank. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm sticking to it. He's, he's an amazing actor and he shows it off more in this movie because I think they wanted him to more, especially being Spider-Man, throwing out jokes, um, um, ju- just everything he does with talking to Rhino and Electro and his interactions with Jamie Foxx are so awkward. This movie, once again, like Spider-Man 3 earlier, I talked about Liam's pick, too many villains, um, j- just kind of oversaturates the field in an aesthetically pleasing movie like Spider-Man 3. Like in that movie, to me, that's another great suit with the black Spider-Man suit. This is an amazing suit. And just, you know, I'll come back up recently on Twitter. I've had some conversations with some people on there. It's just the motion and the swinging of and the fighting um, choreography of Spider-Man hasn't quite been captured like that since The Amazing Spider-Man 2 in the MCU. There's something special about it. I don't know if it's like the overuse of CGI in the MCU, but Spider-Man in that movie just feels so real and raw and strong. Like just him swinging for some reason in that one just makes this feel so real. And I think it's part of the suit and just their direction for it all. But honestly, I chose this because it sticks in my head the most and the highs are extremely high. The lows are extremely low. But to me, it's the most aesthetically pleasing Spider-Man movie and Andrew Garfield absolutely kills it in it. And it makes me want a third one, even though the story really wasn't set up very well future so i'm happy with the direction but for what it is i love this movie liam matt you guys had reactions when (laughs) when i called it out seems like you guys are interested in picking this one liam you go first (laughs) all right i well i was upset upset. (laughs) i was upset at first because i wanted this pick so bad so bad because i love this movie and like you said i also wanted a third one i remember when the the marvel deal was announced i legitimately felt bittersweet because i was like this Mm. is awesome spidey in the mcu oh, but damn, like, we're not going to get a TASM 3. And what they set up, I don't care that a lot of people said it was forced. I was really excited to see a Sinister Six versus Andrew Garfield Spider-Man because I yeah. think that the TASM movies, especially TASM 2, does TASM, the best job. <laughs> um, in, in the comic books, it's always been terrifying to me that there's this kid, Peter Parker, and he is a superhero. And unlike other heroes where it's more just want to beat them, the villains genuinely want to like kill this kid. And that's just always a terrifying concept to me. The TASM movies accomplish that so well, in my opinion, of like, these are villains who are literally bloodthirsty to kill Peter Parker. And the concept of bringing a Sinister Six together and the fact that we didn't get it, we will eventually, but the fact that we didn't get it um, in a TASM 3 in the Andrew Garfield universe, 
uh, it, it was a little disappointing. Other highs I want to say about this movie. The score, as you said, is phenomenal, especially Electro's theme. I mm, yeah, like I theme. think it might be my no. favorite villain theme. It might it might take Ooh. over Winter Soldier for me. I just, wow, man. wow, man. wow! It's so good though. It's so good. Now I I love yeah. <laughs> all, all the <laughs> stuff is is solid. Um, in my opinion, I think that I agree. The lows are extremely low, but at the end of the day, it's a comic book movie to the to the biggest extent uh the harry osborne screaming about like curse you spider-man when he like says he's not going to donate his blood to him because to cure his <laughs> goblin disease that he somehow got <laughs> last week and now he's going to turn into a little troll boy like whatever Stop. It's, it's silly <laughs> as hell but i just i love it i eat it up i was 13 when i saw this movie and you know the blinders of of what cinema is and what it can be, especially in the confines of comic book movies like we see in the MCU, like we see um, with, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, the Dark Knight trilogy had wrapped up by then. Either way, I, I love this movie. I have a great time. And one more shout out. Dane DeHaan is a great Harry Osborn. I don't care. I agree. He is phenomenal. He makes the most of a script that really doesn't allow him to shine that much. I think that this movie was given a no-win scenario because they were like, we have to kill Gwen Stacy, but we right. want to follow the comic book storyline, which means we have to have Harry Osborn. And they shot themselves in the foot by not including Harry Osborn in the first one. And if they did include him in the first one, I think this movie is a lot better because a lot of the rushed stuff doesn't happen. Either way, I saw it a great time. And that final shot, I remember of, uh, what is his name? Mr. Not not Mr. Sinister. Oh, next uh, guy, but um... the, the guy with the hat. The guy with the yeah. fedora. Yep, yep. Walking by, and you see the Doc Ock tentacles. You see the vulture. We should wings. know who that so, is. I think they literally call him Man in the Black Suit. No, he's got a he's got a name. It's like the um, something. It's Mr. The something. The not the collector, Shit. but like the you're right. The calculator. No, the, he is right. The gentleman, maybe. The gentleman. Yeah. It's the gentleman. Yeah, it's the gentleman. It that's that scene gets me so hype. Uh, and it I does. think the biggest detractor of this movie, as me and Matt have said about trailer footage showing too much they literally showed the final shot in the trailer i was kind of upset about that yes <laughs> very sony-fied uh trailer for sure almost almost uh mcu-fied but thakway water soldier pulled a fast foot on us you know <laughs> um you you had to call him troll boy you couldn't you couldn't just let me get into this in a positive note you had to call him troll boy and you're right <laughs> little troll boy disease that's what it was um what a tragic uh movie because I 1000% agree with you. The highs of this movie are elite high, but the lows like, like, and there's no blend, you know, it's either amazing or it's, you know, the Sony problem. And it's such an interesting movie because within this two hours and 20 minutes, something like that, right? Two hours yeah, and 20 minutes long. of Spider-Man story. Oh, and it feels long for you. I like that scene too. <laughs> oh, get That's a good anyway. Peter scene. So this movie, it has so many amazing aspects to it, right? But the problem with it was, I don't have a single problem with the acting. I don't have a single problem with how it was directed or shot or how it looked. I don't even, I don't even have that much of a problem with the writing because Liam, you're right. It's a Spider-Man movie. Curse you, Spider-Man. Come on. I mean, come on. The problem is that in reality, this is like two and a half, three movies in one. Yeah. You know, they, they're, 
and I counted because this is one of the movies I rewatched, guys. It's so fun. Um, there's like 10 stories going on. Yeah. Like there's like there's so many different things going on, and just you know, that that's a risk, some would say. Again, we just praise days of future past. It just didn't come together very well, I don't think. Um, and David, you're right, it's Sony because Winter Soldier just came out. The MCU is hot. X-Men just had Days of Future Past. We need a universe right now. We need to be able to announce six to seven movies off of this one movie, make it happen. And it's just unfortunate because I do think there is a good movie in here. I think there might be three good movies in here, but they just cannibalize each other. An interesting thing I thought about with this movie, and David, you talked about the fighting style and the swinging style, and Liam, yeah. you talked about just the all the different character dynamics that he's forced to play with. Because, quick shout out, because we might not get to it again. Uh, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, the oh. sexiest comic book chemistry that there's been. Like, like Tony and Pepper are up there in a few scenes. Don't get me wrong, but no. it's Andrew and Emma Stone. Like, the, these are my favorite too. They are incredible on screen for in, in both movies. I, I completely agree. I love Emma Stone in this with Andrew Garfield. Money. It's hot, man. It's just <laughs> hot. And I love it. Um, the, what's interesting, think about this. With all the different storylines going on and just kind of how this movie looks and feels. Imagine if Insomniac made like an eight, nine hour Spider-Man video game based off this story. I know there's this amazing Spider-Man 2 you're, video game. You're killing me, Matt. I know. <laughs> I know. Because there's way too much happening at once. But man, if you just kind of a pick and choose situation. And it's just unfortunate because the death of Gwen Stacy is in this movie. And I think that story, while not fleshed out enough, is incredibly well done. Yeah. The Harry Osborn goblin turn is in this movie. The entire Electro uh, Bat Corporation. I think it's Essex. I could be wrong. Um, Essex is X-Men. I think it's it's Oscorp. Is it's it Oscorp? Oscorp? Yeah. So yeah, it's there's, Oscorp. A there's a corporate Oscorp storyline. There's a Sinister Six storyline. And then there's, there's even a Spider-Man No More storyline in here. But unlike Spider-Man 2, they do it in a 30-second montage instead of half a movie. <laughs> Got to squeeze it in, man. Got to find your space. Exactly. It's an issue. <laughs> but it's just unfortunate because the Gwen Stacy stuff was so good. I just wish we got, you yeah. know, 75% yeah. of the movie devoted to that, 25% of the movie to something else. And, you know, it's unfortunate that Sony pushed this on this movie because it could have been great. The potential of this movie is so disappointing. And, yeah. um, but the best spider-man suit i'm a tom holland i the eyes that tom holland has i'm a sucker for but yeah. the giant white spider-man ultimate eyes come on dude come and he on. just looks so for sleek you, <laughs> <for> you. <laughs> i like how that's the one song you keep going back to in this movie when the score is just great <laughs> exactly the score is great why do we have that song in this movie <laughs> yeah yeah so uh sony music deal i will bet you anything that was a sony music deal yeah liam you have just missed out on spider-man 2 and the amazing spider-man 2 the the latter i know was kind of your safety blanket here where are you going here where what's next for the liam crowley team it crushes me because if i picked tasm 2 instead of spider-man 3 i would have still got spider-man 3 there's no way yep. either of you were gonna steal it from me i think um, so yeah, thanks a lot, David. You're going to force me to qu pick a quality movie now. And I got to <laughs> pick a good one. Got to pick something that, you know, 
is is cinema and is actually <laughs> genuinely appreciated by most people. Uh, we're gonna go with X Men First Class. Yeah, uh, I love I love X Men First Class. It wasn't on my initial list because I wanted to just backload my squad with just nostalgia. But I, if I have room on it on the roster for it, we're absolutely going first class. This movie, I think, is the best period piece comic book movie ever done because it so wonderfully um, works in the Cuban Missile Crisis into its story. And I don't think any other comic book movie really applies a, a, a historical event into their storyline so seamlessly, at least because most don't make it such a vital part of what goes on in the narrative. But yeah, the, the Fassbender McAvoy chemistry is unreal. Uh, it's the only X-Men movie I think that Jennifer Lawrence actually tried in. So that helps a lot. And <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a stacked cast of young, like prospect actors before they became huge. Looking back, even Beast, uh, remind me again of the name. Um, who plays Beast? Oh my uh, gosh. Nicholas, I'm uh, right now. Nicholas something. Nicholas Holt, he was in the running to play freaking Batman. He's huge these days. It's it's an, he was the last one. It was uh, really? it was down to Pattinson and Nicholas Holt. Wow. Is he like he, big now? He was going to get big. Sure, sure, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right on. <laughs> but either way, the cast is stacked. Um, oh my God, even uh, even Samuel Shaw, uh, Kevin Bacon, dude. Kevin Bacon is in this movie as the bad guy. Uh, yeah. and I also love x-men movies when they take the nothing characters and like elevate them um i'll make a pro wrestling comparison here i love when like you know the the mid card slash jobbers get elevated to the main event scene and that's what they do in first class you're telling me um uh darwin is in this movie sure he dies like immediately but then you have so uh, the, the the irish mutant that that screams and it makes him fly and then you Banshee. have uh, uh azazel on on the the bad side and it's it's phenomenal. I love what they do in this movie. I love what they were able to accomplish. And it set the X-Men, it course corrected a franchise that was dead in the water. Back to yeah. back, the last stand at Wolverine Origins. This franchise was gasping for air and first class delivered. <laughs> it, it showed us what the X-Men could be. Days of Future Past, I think, knocked it out of the park even further. And then it just kind of collapsed from there. Ended on a high note with Logan, though, in my opinion. So yeah, either way, they made the... Dark Phoenix and New Mutants. New Mutants, yeah. But yeah, first class. Uh, it's a great movie, great narrative, great chemistry, great actors, and a great title. I love the I love the subtitle mm -hmm. First Class. I think it's mm -hmm. highly overlooked. I love this movie. Um, this is uh, up there, my favorite X Men movies. I'm an X Men guy through and through, and these are characters that I'm unfamiliar with. I, I've never I've never liked and I never will like the idea of making mystique such a focal point of this story just because I just don't feel like it fits based on the continuity stuff that we already know and it wouldn't bother me if it was just a new story but they do play on the Magneto mystique relationship regardless so if you throw out the continuity from the first three movies in the X-Men uh, franchise, this movie just slays over and over. There is a definable lull in the middle of this movie, I think. But, you know, around that is just nothing but great chemistry. It's Fassbender, it's McAvoy doing their thing. The scene when he's, oh my God. The scene when he's in Cuba in the bar with the knife in it, in it in the back here and all that it's just and and him and shaw is this is the best magneto movie without a doubt the best magneto movie 
literally the only thing this movie's missing to bring it over the top of Days of Future Past is like a Quicksilver scene or something. You know, yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't have that definable scene like Days of Future Past might have, but like this this Liam, you're 100 percent right. It re-corrected the course of this mess of a franchise. It created more of a mess. Absolutely. Like, like it answered questions we did we weren't asking. It made confusion of things. Whatever. When you look at it by itself, if you look at this as number one, wow, what a good film. I I love this movie. Kevin Bacon. That's all that needs to be said. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I'm not an X-Men guy, but every time's Wol- every time Wolverine's not there, it feels like it's missing something to um in this movie i really enjoyed it and it's mostly because of the cast like you mentioned mcavoy and fassbender let's be real fox did not miss on the casting of professor x or magneto either time sir ian mckellen patrick stewart james mcavoy fassbender are all perfect for their respective roles and that's what carries the movie for me i am not a mystique fan she was one of the weaker points in these movies to me just because like um i think you said it liam where i don't know why or was it you matt i don't remember um, who like they just put a spotlight on her for unknowingly why for so long like she shouldn't have been the main character to me or at least one of them um, but honestly for me this I agree with Matt I was going to bring that up where this movie to me is mission, missing that kind of special sauce almost to it like that makes it memorable to me this this movie is actually surprisingly not that memorable like almost a little forgettable I think because Days of Future Past, this, and just kind of taken up to a level where that's the one I remember with McAvoy and Fastbender. And I think I've only seen it one time. I didn't see it in oh. theaters. I wasn't into really X-Men by then. I kind of had to do some catching up in, in latter years. But yeah, McAvoy, Fastbender, you can't go wrong with them. And to me, that's what carries the movie. Give it a rewatch. I implore you. Okay. Like, it's 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 a... You're right. I, I, I don't think it has anything overly exciting. You know, the Cuban missile scene is cool, but yes, you know, we we've seen we've seen Magneto lift the Golden Gate Bridge at this point, you know, like like we need a little more juice than that. But it's just a solid movie, which at the time in the X-Men franchise didn't exist. Like yeah. a well rounded beginning to end solid movie with no glaring egregious moments. First class was the first to do it. The first of its class, some would say. Liam, I love the pick. I'm I'm mad. I'm upset that you took it. I'm upset that you took it. I never thought you would. Had to do it. Had to. <laughs> okay. Am I up? Is it my turn? Yeah, you're up back to back, I believe. Okay. We're gonna do honorable mentions, right? I got a I got a few shout outs I want to get to if they don't get oh, picked. Yeah. yeah, sure. Absolutely. So with that being said, we're gonna double up on the Deadpool, baby. Deadpool two. Wow. In, number three on my team. Absolutely, man. These movies are that good. I think Deadpool one is better than Deadpool two, but I think the reason for that is that Deadpool two, Deadpool two took everything from Deadpool one and cranked it up to eleven. In this movie, if I if I had to describe it in one word, relentless. Jokes, action, jokes, action, more jokes, juggernaut, jokes, action. Like, it just keeps coming. But what this movie has that makes it special is it has Domino. It has Juggernaut. Colossus is more involved. It has Cable, you know, Josh Brolin playing Cable. All of these supplementary, supplementary characters for Ryan Reynolds to play off of really makes the Deadpool universe established like i feel like this is a separate subculture within the x-men franchise and this movie really did that for me um i won't spend too much time on it because everything from deadpool one i reflect here in deadpool two it's just funny it's action it's good 
and and it's the most enjoyable of comic book movies this is when comic book movies are the most fun is when they're funny with action and those big moments yeah i dig deadpool too uh, i had a great time uh it was the one i finally got to see in theaters without having to you know coordinate with an with a real life adult and all that but, uh, <laughs> yeah the, uh, the jokes hit the one uh detractor from this movie which honestly isn't even their fault but bigger budget just it it forced you're less creative i think just naturally and i think sure. deadpool one was put in such a you know, box of scraps scenario where it's like, you really got to make the most out of $58 million. And when they see what a success it was, when they give them a little bit more money to play with, you're naturally going to, you're, you're not going to have to cut as many corners and you're going to kind of throw everything and the kitchen sink at it. So I don't think they, it's by no means a bad movie. It's a good movie. Some would even say great, but I do think the reason why people elevate Deadpool one above it is because of how much it accomplished with so little while Deadpool two was giving, was given so much, you know, do whatever you want and here's the money to do it. And because of it, it lost a little bit of its, of its shine in my opinion. That's why I'm yeah. glad I got the pair, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I agree with a lot of what you guys have been saying with how it builds up from Deadpool 1. Obviously, still Ryan Reynolds. It has a bigger budget. And I remember specifically what got me in, like, it in the movie off the jump was when Vanessa dies. Um, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> you know, I'm like, holy shit. Like, um, now, and then you got the angry Ryan Reynolds Deadpool, which I think they didn't have in the first one. It was all like, you know, there was some of that rage, but you got pure rage in that moment. And so that was a cool element that I thought they didn't really have in the first one that they had in that one. Um, in the next one, I love Josh Brolin. Domino is great. Um, I didn't like it as much as the first, but it's hard to when that movie, I feel like it's iconic, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. But it makes me excited for the third one, whatever they do at Disney. But honestly, yeah, um, pretty good plot. And just come on. Ryan Reynolds is the character you said before. It's just perfect. And... It's a pretty good sequel. It's a pretty good sequel. It is. I, I I respect it for what it is with the, like Liam said, great point, the amount of money it got. So, guys, this next one's tough for me because this is my last pick. This is the last movie on my team here. And I got – I'm looking at three or four movies in front of me that have a lot of uh, meaning for me in a lot of varying different ways. But I'm looking at my mm. list here, and um, I'm a man of balance. I'm a man of – you know, a good, uh, well-rounded team. So uh, it's going to be Spider-Man from 2001. Uh, <laughs> Sam, Ra Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. This is my nostalgia pick. I, I do think that The Amazing Spider-Man is a better movie. I think that The Wolverine is a much better movie. But wow. I didn't pick those because Spider-Man is so embedded in my blood this movie. I've seen it a thousand million times. Like the, you know, and, and I said at the top when I picked Spider-Verse, I respect when a movie sets out to do something and accomplishes it. What I was saying earlier about how Spider-Man 2 is really when the paradigm shifted for comic book movies, where they became a little more stylistic, they became a little more good movies featuring comic book characters as opposed to comic book movies with a story in it. I think Spider-Man was... I think... I think that Spider-Man from 2002 is the last of its kind as far as the 90s comic book tropey campy stuff. You know, Schumacher, Blade, all those movies from the 90s that we look back on and be like, this is why people don't like comic I think this is the last of its kind. It's also the best of its kind, you know? If you look at this as a campy comic book movie that is supposed to be Spider-Man in the 60s, you know, obviously set in 2002, but Spider-Man in the 60s, 
like it hits on every level like it's so it's so genuine i mean if you if you want to get cinephile with it there are a lot of problems with the plot but the plot is so comic booky and i love it and uh i think kirsten dunce i i the biggest crush of my life at the time you know i think she's so beautiful in this movie playing mary jane and just you know the damsel in distress sure but she plays it really well and um so yeah spider-man is just a classic and uh, I have a lot of problems with it as a movie, but as far as a Spider-Man movie, it's it's iconic, and I gotta have it on my team. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is my first superhero movie, and it means so much to me. I mean, I didn't pick it earlier because I w- I didn't want to pick two back-to-back Raimi films. So I and I want to get Garfield on my team. You know, gotta shout him out. Love Andrew Garfield. Wanted him on my team. Um, but to me, this is a great Spider-Man movie. I think I have it more high on my list than a lot of others. Maybe partially because of nostalgia, but I still think it's a great origin story, right? He has a cool um, origin when it comes to Uncle Ben's death. I think that's a really well done scene, even though I think people like the meme with Maguire crying. People love to do that. Um, and also William Defoe. <laughs> I was terrified of the Green Goblin as a, as a child. I was absolutely mortified of Green Goblin. And I think James Franco does a great job with Terry Osborne. I believe their relationship in this movie. It's the introduction of J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. So much iconic characters and scenes are in this movie that set up the trilogy that Sam Raimi directed. And honestly, I love Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. These movies are great to me. And this is my second favorite in the trilogy. But at the time, when I was a kid, this was my favorite movie, point blank. Just mm-hmm. I could just watch it all day long and just an absolute classic for me. Set the standard for 21st century of comic book movies, in my opinion. Absolutely. The the thing that I'll, I'll give praise to with this movie, as you said a little bit, David, Green Goblin is terrifying. And the reason why he's so terrifying is because he genuinely wants to kill Spider-Man. And that's just always... No matter what age I am, whether I'm, you know, a kid watching these movies for the first time or I'm a college student rewatching them, it'll always be such a terrifying concept to me. And that ending moment when he tries to impale Peter with the with the glider and it goes and kills him. Brutal, brutal intense for a movie that (gasps) basically feels super PG because of, uh, you know, the 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 people turn into skeletons at the Macy's day parade and it's campy and it's silly at times but other moments. You're like, wow, we're getting real mature here. So yeah, uh, nothing but positive things to say about the first Spider-Man movie. It's one of those movies that similar to Iron Man, you can look back and pick out flaws, but you just hold your head high and respect it for what it did. And the course it set these movies on my final Real quick, Liam. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I do want to give a quick shout out to this movie, the Thanksgiving scene. I just yeah. noticed this recently. Have you guys ever seen the outfit thing with that scene? Okay. Where so say William Defoe, I, I William, know I know I have, but I, I can't remember. Willem Dafoe is wearing Spider-Man colors, red and blue. Tobey Maguire is wearing Green Goblin colors, green and purple, to show that the, you know the, they're yin and yang. You know they're wearing their enemies' colors. Uh, James Franco as a point of solidarity who can't pick between the two is wearing red, blue, green, and purple. His suit, (laughs) he has like a purple tie, a red shirt, a blue jacket, and green pants. Love it. Love (laughs) it. And it's the most outrageous outfit you've ever seen in your life, but it's got meaning. That's some Zack Snyder shit that I can get behind. (laughs) Some Zack Snyder shit is the best way to put it because on the surface level, the pitch of that concept is like, man, that's so cool. 
but do we really need to do that? And it's like, yeah. yes, because there's meaning and there's cinema, whatever. No, it um, looks stupid. It does <laughs> it look stupid. stupid. My final pick, I'm going to pivot here because there's something oh. Matt said earlier that, you know, kind of weighed on me a little bit. Oh. You said that X-Men First Class was the first time an X-Men movie was really solid from start to finish. And that's just simply not true. X2, X-Men United, is a great okay. freaking movie. And I feel like the end of, of Cap Winter Soldier, when Winter Soldier reluctantly pulls Cap out of the water because he's like, ah, I don't really know this guy at the moment, but I'm going to do what's right, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save my friend. I'm going to bring X2 into this draft out of fear that maybe David wouldn't pick it because it deserves to be here. It absolutely deserves to be here. A lot of people regard this as the best X-Men movie. I think it's number three behind first class and days of future past for me obviously by looking at my my roster but it does such a cool thing in that it teams up the bad guys with the good guys uh, a story concept that no matter how played out it is in cinema i will always always appreciate um i love magneto and professor x's relationship in this movie uh the prison scene when he breaks out is phenomenal and yeah william striker i love a villain that necess that isn't necessarily a physical threat just the concept of i'm gonna i'm gonna kill you all you know i'm gonna erase mutants because i'm smart and i can get into board meetings and i can convince people of this i love a villain you know who operates from behind the behind the scenes that doesn't have like you know uh, a suit to get into and to fight them physically i think it's such an interesting concept that they rock with in x-men 2 x-men united and it's a movie just the way i'm talking about it now i need to revisit it because i forgot how much I adore this movie. Uh, so Matt, thank you for, for resurrecting that fire in the um, <laughs> X2, X-Men United, rounding out my squad. Yeah. I would say um, this is one where, like I've said, not a huge X-Men fan, but to me, this is the X-Men movie. Like Logan to me is the best X-Men movie just as a Fox, you know, in that universe film. But this is a on full film that takes place in one timeline and does the best job at that, right? Days of Future Past is, you know, it brings the two together and that's what makes it, a lot of it, that's what makes it special. This is its own, you know, one timeline. It's a great sequel. Um, shout out to James Marsden as Cyclops. Cyclops is my favorite X-Men character. Absolutely love him. Um, for, what, for whatever reason, I think Cyclops is such a cool character. And once again, you know, Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen absolutely kill it and to me this is the peak of and you know this isn't a hot take the peak of that era of x-men um if you don't count days of future past because that doesn't really to me that's not really they, they're not really that highlighted in in, in that movie well as this you know holly berry <laughs> great as storm absolutely love holly berry and yeah excellent pick i would have been stunned if this had gotten to me in, in the final pick of the draft because a lot of people um you know bigger fans of x-men than i am would have this as you know a top four pick in this draft today um not between us but yeah great pick liam had to get had to get chosen today this was the one i was choosing between spider-man and x2 this is why yeah. i asked if we were having honorable mentions because i did not want to let this draft go by without including x2 this is this is a movie that i just fell in love with at an early age and never stopped um and you know i'm not going to speak too much on it because you guys really laid out all the great points um but nightcrawler man just, just that that was the coolest thing in a movie I'd ever seen at that point in my life. Yeah. Like, that was the coolest thing. 
Like just the opening scene, like looking back, yeah, sure, it's a little too long, but that's just because we all work for a movie website. You know what I mean? But you know, just Nightcrawler and just the whole tone of this movie, like you said, General Stryker having motives, like real life motives. Yes, yes, the Green Goblin was terrifying in Spider Man. He really just kind of went crazy though, you know. Stryker had a solid emotional motive, and I love that about this movie and this character. Um, a little long in the tooth at times, but that's the sign of the times back in 2003. You know, it, it just had to be longer for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, just an amazing pick. I'm very glad it was picked. I, I, I tussled between that and Spider-Man because I had two Deadpool movies. I had to get Spider-Man at the end of my team. So uh, thank you for taking this pick because, you know, it's a it's one that's close to my heart. So great pick by you. And that is your team. David, last pick of the draft there's a few movies that are going to get left off here that's going to make me chuckle i cannot wait to see what you pick here what do we got i i gotta do it i got used the first family of marvel fantastic for the 2005 variety to be specific just an absolute nostalgia fest for me as a dumb little kid i thought this movie was amazing specifically Chris Evans as Johnny Storm, the fact that he play two iconic Marvel characters so well that are completely polar opposite characters and have just completely different moral compasses and everything like that. Uh, I love Jessica Alba. I think it's um Ian Grufford. Is that is that his name who plays Reed yeah. Richards? Yeah. I love him as Reed Richards, right? And even Michael Chiklis as the thing. Like it's a really to me it's a great cast. The story's dumb. It's campy. Speaking of early 2000s camp, th this is it. This is where it is just campy as all hell. Um, you know, Dr. Doom is really, in my opinion, just a bad villain in this, but I love it, right? Like, I months ago, maybe like eight months ago, me and my buddy, he, he was here visiting me. I just turned it on Disney Plus, and we just sat there and watched the entire thing, just, just for no reason, but because... It's shockingly rewatchable and fun. You know, these days, I think, you know, every MCU movie, every comic book movie is under a microscope. This wasn't, and it's just a fun time. Like, I enjoy a good origin story. And I think, you know, you could pick it apart. There's a lot of holes in it, but it's a blast. Like, I enjoy all, and I'm a Fantastic Four fan. Let me start with that. I cannot, it's Fantastic Four behind Spider-Man No Way Home is my most anticipated movie coming out um, for the MCU. Like, oh, yeah. I cannot wait to see who's casted. Like, th when that trailer drops, I'm going to stop everything I'm doing. I will lose lose my mind whenever that gets rolling. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, you know, this is a pick based on pure nostalgia and fun. I still find it rewatchable. I think it might be just because it's a movie I fell in love with when I was young. Jessica Alba, ginormous crush on her in this movie, you know? When I was a kid, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, so yeah, Fantastic Four, the 2005 variety, um, not the other one, not 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 fan fantastic, fan four stick. Yes, sorry. Um, I yes. uh, I don't have a ton to add here because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I'm gonna be completely mm. honest, but that makes me ask a question to YouTube because Liam, I know you had a big fan fantastic Fantastic Four rewatch uh, late last year, right? Yeah. I have a question. I, I was going to rewatch one of these movies tonight. I was going to be into the Spider-Verse because all of us talking about it earlier, man, I just want to see what's up danger again. You know, like I just want that moment again in my life. Or do I yeah. watch Fantastic Four? <laughs> of the, ori the original snap. People forget. 
the, the yeah. OG snap. <laughs> Liam, pick for me. What movie am I watching tonight? Your least favorite Spider-Man movie or Fantastic Four? <laughs> Please watch anything other than 2005. <laughs> I'm sorry, David. I, I appreciate nostalgia like anyone else, but I rewatched this movie recently and it sucks oh yeah it <laughs> sucks I'm, in the I'm, best I hate way to be that guy because, I watch because it. you you like have such great things to say about it but i i just find it extremely unrewatchable i think that nothing really happens in like the first 90 minutes which is the meat of the movie um and uh, i'll toss an honorable mention out quick because i know we're going to get into him soon i love uh rise of the silver surfer because i have the nostalgia oh. comparison with it that 2007, I remember I saw Spider-Man 3 in theaters um, at the beginning of the year. And because I was a six-year-old kid that didn't know any better, I was like, oh, it'll be in theaters by the time my birthday rolls around in July, four months later. We'll go see it again with the buddies. And it wasn't. The comic (laughs) comic book movie that was in theaters was Rise of the Silver Surfer. So I got my mates together and we were able to watch Rise of the Silver Surfer together. So it has the nostalgia for me. But there are some movies like Spider-Man 3, Tasm 2, even X-Men The Last Stand that I'll look back on fondly and rewatch and be like, you know what? Not great movies, but I had a good time. Fantastic Four, just all the nostalgia sapped out immediately <laughs> when I first watched it. <laughs> and it's just, it's not for me. I'm sorry. Is it really as bad as the three movies you just named? <laughs> like, like, really? There, at least stuff happens in those three movies. This one I respect like a good, no bad action. movie. Don't get me stuff wrong. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. I, I think, honestly, like, just to defend it a little bit, just as a film, and maybe, you know, under a different light, I do think the Reed Richards and Sue Storm relationship is pretty interesting. And Johnny Storm, his figuring out his abilities, to me, is really entertaining. Awesome. You know, especially being Chris Evans. Like, when he goes and does the... the and, and, you know quick shout out that I love is Johnny storm reacts how any early twenties kid who wants girls would react to getting superhero powers. Right. You know, yeah. and it's that dichotomy between Johnny and Reed, where Reed is super calculated and cool and calm and like, and doesn't have an ego like that. And Johnny's just like, I'm going to go ride dirt bikes and sh- be a comet in the air. And, and like, yeah, you know, let's go. I-, I love all that stuff. And the team dynamic I'm there for it, man. Yeah. I just, this is one of those movies that I just unabashedly love, no matter how dumb and stupid and how much it sucks. I admit all of that, but I love it. Love it. Hey, here's <laughs> the Fantastic Four in the MCU. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. Um, yeah. Quick, very very quick honorable mentions, David. I'm sorry we got to rush you out of here. I got to bring up no the Amazing Spider-Man. Um, I don't I don't yes. necessarily love either of those two Tasm movies, but the Amazing Spider-Man, I do think story wise, beginning to end very good like I, yeah. I think is a good a very grounded spider-man story when you look at the amazing spider-man 2 it's weird to say that the first one was grounded and then that happened but um other than sunglasses spider-man which is the worst mistake in the history of comic book movies um other than maybe <laughs> other than maybe uh, uh harry osborne in tasm 2 with the hair and the teeth that's just that the why you know but the sunglasses spider-man i hate other than that i really like that movie and it comes down to andrew garfield and emma stone they're just hot man yeah. they're hot i want to be about it i want to i want to hang out with them i would love to be their third wheel i really would i'd i'd, I'd, I'd welcome it so that's my only yeah. honorable mention um yeah yeah that's that's all i got I would shout out Venom. I didn't really care for the movie that much, but a lot of other people did and made a lot of money. It's getting a sequel. And it 
for for whatever it is, it looks cool. <laughs> I think yeah. Venom, like fully Venomized, is pretty sick. And if you go into that movie just thinking, you know, click off my brain, get popcorn, get a beer, get soda, and just have a good time. Tom Hardy's there. He's making jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Venom's a crazy creature that has pretty sick CGI. Um, so I would shout that out. And that and that's a you know a non quote unquote non MC movie that's still continuing on today. Or serious anyway. Sure. My my two, like I said, Rise of the Silver Surfer, still got a ton of nostalgia for it. But X-Men The Last Stand, I'll I'll get into it just a little bit. I think that the action is phenomenal. The the final battle taking place on uh on the prison, the prison in San Francisco. We both know it, and I'm losing my mind right now because I can't think of it. And it is called Alcatraz. That's what it's yeah, called. It is. <laughs> I knew you were gonna get there, baby. It's it's so yeah. dope. I like. <laughs> and and the story they set up was cool. You know, the idea of there being a cure to the mutant gene and the whole what does it mean to be what does it mean to be a mutant and accepting yourself and all that. Um, but the 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 execution was botched. That's all we can yeah. say. It it's the Absolutely. same thing as the Amazing Spider-Man Two. They tried to do Dark Phoenix and The Cure both in one movie. Those are two separate trilogies, you know. So, um, and I I know I said one. Uh, the Wolverine. I think the most quality movie we didn't pick here. Mm. I, I think that is a good good movie. You know, it's not nearly as exciting as a lot of these other movies, but I do think it's a good movie comparable to like a Iron Man. Not as good, but like it's a good story all the way throughout. Then the third act kind of falls apart. So. I um, just want to shout that out. David, thank you so much for joining us. Your team on the non-MCU Marvel movie draft is Logan, Spider-Man 2, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and then Fantastic Four from 2005. Liam, my buddy, my pal, my guy, my friend. X-Men, Days of Future Past, Spider-Man 3, X-Men First Class in the third round, and then X-2, X-Men United. My team, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Deadpool, Deadpool 2, and Sam Raimi's very first Spider-Man. We will put this out on the social medias. Please keep an eye out for it on like a Tuesday, Wednesday this week. And uh, go vote. Let us know what you think. And uh, once again, David Thompson, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. It was an absolute blast. I love my team. I love my team. I want to watch all the movies on my list. (laughs) I love how much you love your team and uh, we'll make sure to let you know what the results are next time you are on or the next time we have a draft. Liam, we got a lot of this stuff coming up, man. Um, So um, in the meantime, thank you again and go Colts. Go Colts. Liam, that's a draft. That's an interview. That's some news. And that's a show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for rocking with us this week and every week moving forward. You know, like I said, no new content, but we are going to be here every time to give you what you need. And uh, we just hope that you guys stick with us. Please tell your friends, if you have friends that are fans of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, anything nerd, um, tell them to come over here and check us out. We'd love to hear it. But real quick, before we get out of here, we got to talk about other interests outside of these universes. Liam. What is your weekly recommendation for the people this week? I'll leave you with uh, something to to go home and listen to, but I also have another uh, deeper recommendation. Uh, my thing to listen to, uh, Love Race by Machine Gun Kelly. He recently released a new single. It's his first single post this pop punk, you know, switch in genres for him. And uh, I don't think it's, it's, you know, cracks my top five of MGK songs, but it is a very solid pop punk mm-hmm. uh, Machine Gun Kelly track. So give it a listen, Love Race. But my recommendation 
to all my fellow college students out there, to anyone studying in school, or even if you just got a busy May ahead of you, this is specifically concerning finals week, take some time to yourself. You know, it's stressful. I get it. I, I'm there. I'm there right with you. I got exams. I got projects. I got papers. I got in interviews to do concerning schoolwork. And it, it's a lot. It weighs heavy. But this past weekend, I was very grateful to, you know, take some time, watch some entourage, chill a little bit, play some music, settle down. You got it. Finals week is going to be brutal. Don't get me wrong. It's really, it's especially tough with half my classes being online and half being in person, knowing where to dedicate attention to when it comes to studying. But uh, don't let May consume you. You know, at the end of this month, we all got summer coming up. So uh, yeah, take some time to yourself. Don't get overworked. Don't get overstressed. You got this. Liam, you stole mine. I was going to say the same thing. Take some time yourself. Call your family. Reach out to the ones you love. Appreciate your life, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for rocking with us. We will see you next week right here on the Direct Podcast. I found a silver ring and put it on my finger. I picked up my guitar and played it for the reaper. God was a girl. The devil wore a t-shirt. Love is a game and they were kissing in the bleachers I don't want to be without you But I'm here screaming by myself I'm on the road